2: Fucking love this song. So much.
0: Well, it's Saturday night.
2: You're all dressed up in blue. I've been I'm watching, watching you, you for a while, Maybe ski, but I'm watching you too. Tougher Than the Rest by Bruce Springsteen from his 1987 album Tunnel of Love. It's also number 467 out of 500 on The 500 with Josh Adam Myers. What is up, Fleece Army? I hope you guys are having a beautiful week. I hope everybody is enjoying the cast. And I hope everybody is enjoying my and your journey through Rolling Stone Magazine's list of the 500 greatest albums. I'm loving it to death. And I'm loving the reactions from all of you guys online. So thank you from the bottom of my heart for tuning in. Thank you for doing the Instagram stories. I say it every week, but take a picture or actually a screenshot of how you're listening to the 500 and tag me at Josh Adam Myers. And give a hashtag the 500 podcast so I can get a 24 hour ad on your social media, guys. Hook a brother up. Hook the king of fleece up, y'all. The calf needs it. Today in music for June 19th. This is a fun one. In 2004, an audience member hurls a lollipop on stage while David Bowie is performing in Oslo, Norway. The lollipop wedges itself in David Bowie's left eye. I don't know what the fuck wedges means. Was that like right in the cut? Like right in the the doodle dang? Which already has an enlarged and frozen pupil following a childhood fight. Dude, Bowie's a badass motherfucker, dude. But Bowie halts the concert to remove the lollipop. Luckily, he escapes serious injury. I would love to know how far away the guy was that threw it. It could be a girl. I have no idea. I don't know why I just assumed it's a guy. It's a kind of a guy thing to do to throw something. But the fact that this guy has a lollipop Girls have lollipops. That's like a, it's a big Oslo feminine thing to, to lick lollipops while they watch their favorite man. So whoever it is, man or woman, do you understand the accuracy, the level of accuracy? If you're trying to hit David and you throw that and that hits him in the fucking wedge of his eye, his left eye, that's insane. So whoever threw it, listen, David was fine, obviously. It says he escaped serious injury. But big ups to whoever threw that, man. You got fucking incredible aim. The album we have this week is a deep, deep record. Let's do a little bit about it because I want to make sure I cover everything because people love Bruce Springsteen. I love Bruce Springsteen. But to be honest with you, this is one of the first times I've listened to a record other than Born to Run and Born in the USA. So let's do a little bit about it. This 1987 solo record came a few years after Bruce and the E Street Band put out the gargantuan, career-high, mega-platinum Born in the USA. And that alone would make any follow-up record likely feel less significant. That it was a very personal exploration of where his life was at that point, especially his domestic situation would ultimately very much humanize the mythical born-in-the-USA, larger-than-life video icon that Bruce had become for the last few years. This is actually pretty interesting right here. As his former E Street Band guitarist Stevie Van Zandt bluntly said after Bruce played it for him before it came out, what the fuck is this? And Bruce replied, this is what Bruce said, it's the truth, it's just who I am, it's my life. And then little Stevie said, this is bullshit. People don't need you talking about your life. Nobody gives a shit about your life. They need you for their lives. That's your thing. Giving some logic and reason and sympathy and passion to this cold, fragmented, confusing world. That's your gift. That's some shit for little Stevie to say. But there you have it. It's all summed up right there, man. The everyman, champion of the people, hero of the working class, just wanted to express where he was at. And while on the surface, this seemed like it was going to be tales of the domestic bliss that Bruce was living in with his then wife, actress Julianne Phillips, what it ended up sounding like were the painful ruminations on the disintegration of love. This became clear a year later when Julianne filed for divorce. You get that from this record, guys. You 100% get that, and you know who else gets it? My guest, the one, the only, Jay Moore. You guys know him from his stint being on Saturday Night Live and hosting Last Comic Standing, his role in Jerry Maguire, Are We There Yet, and the TV series Ghost Whisperer his former sports radio talk show, Jay Moore Sports, and his current podcast, which is incredible, More Stories. Jay is a huge Bruce fan, so to be able to get him to sit down, and we talked, man. This is one of my favorite conversations, so I think you guys are going to really love it. Don't forget to listen to the end of the podcast where we spotlight a new artist that was directly influenced by Bruce Springsteen. Also, rate, review, and most importantly, subscribe to The 500. Follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media. Email the podcast at 500 podcastgmailcom at gmail.com. And for all things 500, go to our website, the 500 podcastcom Well, y'all know what time it is. Here we go! With number 467 out of 500 with Tunnel of Love by Bruce Springsteen. Is it J,
1: or just a joke? Wow.
2: i J,
3: J, J. I'm blown out, man. That was <laughs> <Thank> great. You.
2: <laughs> you, like, stunned me. You, you crushed it. You've given me the best reaction that anybody has from singing them in. <laughs> he, he stood up and just threw his arms up. The all first. right. So so tell me about your fascination. I mean, is it a fascination just your love for Bruce Springsteen? Like when did that start?
3: Well, uh, yeah, it's a fascination. I mean, that's if somebody's that good, whether it's The Stones, Beatles, Bruce, you know, we were talking about Miles Davis off Mike and McCoy Tyner and all these people like, yeah, it's a, it's absolutely a fascination. Like everything in my life, I'm an addict. It's it's an it's a consumption. Yeah. It's just an absolute house on fire all the time. So I was in High school, when I listened to, uh, I actually owned the cassette of Greetings from Asbury Park, and I remember just, you know, going cover to cover, cover to cover, cover to cover, and like, the kids call him Jimmy the Saint, Lost in the Flood, and you know, I I don't want to talk, I don't want to speak on albums that aren't here. (laughs) Those are in like, those are in like three to five years. Some of
2: his other ones. This is his lowest record.
3: I don't want to, as Colin might say, I don't want to speak on albums that aren't here to defend themselves, but, you know, maybe a bit of a rhyming dictionary. All right. What's, what's the song for that, you know? Madman Drummers, Bummers, Summers. All right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Inauthentic, that's all. Colin, bring J.J. back. I so, J.J. <laughs> yeah, so the Bruce the inoculation with like the phonograph needle was constant because it's always on the radio like the songs are always on the radio yeah because they should be because they can be consumed by everybody but it's interesting how many people just loathe bruce
2: outright that don't like him
3: oh yeah there's an inherent and automatic ugh, like with you too and with Bruce.
2: Yeah. Now I I believe that you're Dylan, I, I,
3: like I'm one of the Dylan people where I go, no, I, no. I don't like Dylan either. I like the Lanois produced stuff like Oh Mercy, I love in 88. I love Time Out of Mind and the rest of the stuff I'm like this guy sucks. Yeah, I and I'm, I know I'm in the minorities. so save your t- don't save your tweets. I want you to tweet a lot. Yeah, Hurt tweet at thumbs, him. But dicks. I but
2: also but here's the thing is the same thing with uh which see I've knew Bruce ahead of time. I knew the hits. I've seen him in concert, but I've never dug the full albums. I know a few hits by by Bob Dylan, but I've never actually sat there and listened to one
3: of his full records. So to me Bruce is what people always told me Dylan was. Like the way people sold me on Dylan's Lyrics, the meaning of lyrics, that's that's what Bruce is to me. Like Hurricane Carter by Dylan is really linear and straightforward to me. Whereas like uh, Jungle Land by Bruce or like Tunnel of Love or Brilliant Disguise is so layered. It's like Lombard Street. There's just emotions going every fucking which way. It's crazy. It really like hits my heart. Like it really... The shit affects me. Like I get like choked up when I listen to some of this stuff. cuz I'm a fucking gay guy. <laughs> but you're but you're a gay guy from Jersey though. Well yeah. right. We, we, that's where all the gays come so, from. So so is he is he the patron
2: saint of New Jersey? And do you feel I mean, like yeah. that's why the connections there. No, well?
3: uh, that's not the connection at all. But the connection has to be when you're a kid, there has to be a visceral antenna that's hit viscerally when you're in a car and you hear Born to Run or something. You know, it nobody goes Hey, this guy's like, you know, we would all be holding Danny DeVito uh, scripts. (laughs) You know what I mean? And he's Danny DeVito and Nicholson. These people are Meryl Streep. Like, who's more talented than her? Nobody. So I just think like Sinatra. It's I I don't like anybody because they're from where I'm from because they didn't do anything. It's like George Carlin. Like, how can you be proud to be, you know, American? Like, you were just born here. Yeah. Like, I'm proud to be like, all right, your parents fucked. But
2: there is like a thing about Bruce that the people that kicks in, in Jersey yes. that also it's like not just his lyrics and the depth of what he's saying and, and how he speaks for like the working man, you know, but at the same time, it's like there is this thing that he loves where he's from and he's talking about a lot of those places.
3: Well, that's yes, absolutely. I was gonna say that kicks in like an act two of your love for Bruce. If you're from New Jersey, you're like, oh, I know the street he's talking about. Yeah. I know that club i know that little club he, he's referring to i know which lake he's probably and you start speculating like where it could be so there's a in, there's a huge romanticism because bruce's whole the canon all of it is the same theme from the first song he recorded to the last song he'll record before he dies is there's something better than what i have right now it's just out of reach if you stick with me i swear to god we're gonna hit it we're gonna hit it big With the exception of Nebraska, there's really no, even Nebraska is pretty much that, but it's with serial killers.
2: I mean, it's (laughs) It's it's, every song that he does, if you just really sit there and read the lyrics and just like put headphones on, I mean, it's there's so much depth to everything he's doing.
3: It's it's brilliant disguises, it's insane. Brilliant disguises, like my marriage. In In one song, it's my marriage. And the last lyric, God have mercy on the man who doubts what he's sure of.
2: Yeah, you texted that to me too because when you're
3: going through it you, you just say to yourself like this is impossible this isn't real this can't be happening this we can salvage this like god have mercy on the man who doubts what he's sure of you're yeah. you're delaying an inevi- inevitable a uh, certainty you know it, it's insane so when you ask me about tunnel of love it's such a outlier album to me because it doesn't have the E Street Band, and you can hear the difference, so particularly in the drums for me. There's there's a couple musicians like where I just don't like their drummer, and i I'm a, I might ruin some music for people right here. Get me. I could ruin Aerosmith for you real quick.
2: Who's the drummer again? I can't think of his name. In Aerosmith, who yeah, knows? Joey Kramer. <laughs> Joey Joey Kramer, yeah.
3: If you're a drummer and they name symbols after you, there's a problem. <laughs> That's actually pretty good. I gotta write I that, that down.
2: All right, well, let's dive into this record. Our album is number 467 out of 500. It's the eighth album, Tunnel of Love, by Bruce Springsteen, released October 9th, 1987, produced by Bruce, John Landau, and Chuck Plotkin. The first time you heard this record, where were you at, what was going on in your life? Like, how did it sink in?
3: The first thing I heard was the single, and I think the first time I heard the single was the actual music video on MTV. So I was in a living room, in Verona, New Jersey, um, wrestling. So I was probably starving. I looked like a whippet. <laughs> <laughs> and uh was just sort of knocked on my ass because the music video, if you're going to go linearly in order by track, then I'll I'll just pocket. Hey, this is
2: what, for Tunnel of
3: Love? Was, the single tu- was Tunnel of Love. Yeah. On Tunnel of Love. And that was the first thing you heard because it wasn't like now where... You'd hear it on a mixtape you hear it on a radio you hear it on Sirius XM Or somebody would give it to you Yeah It was On MTV The video was gonna come out For it And it would, it would come out You know Congruent of when the album came out So I first heard Tunnel of Love Watching the video Tunnel of Love I remember just thinking It's perfect He nailed it He nailed how I feel When I go to Seaside Heights New Jersey And go to the boardwalk And go on the rides There's that weird Like ambient crowd noise But it's kind of like A synthy manufactured crowd noise. It's a very
2: synth-heavy album. He's doing a lot of this on his own. Like you said, this is the first time he he didn't work with the E Street Band. Some of them sat in, you know what I mean, and did a couple songs. But this is him playing every instrument. So this is him in his in his house, the studio in his house, and, and basically with a drum machine and all the instruments and just layering it. It's, it's in a very electronic album form, in a way. Basically, this is his breakup record. This is his blood on the tracks. This is his fucking sea change i mean this is him laying his head out and listen not every track hit with me but man did i feel the ones that i felt and was that the same reaction you got when you first heard this
3: no the opposite i I was really let down really yeah i I loved brilliant disguise and tunnel of love and i still think they're the ones and then the other ones had to sort of like earworm their way through like tougher than the rest and i worked at a restaurant as a server and um like one step up and two steps back. Like they if used you to play if, that a lot. If somebody covered it uh and it didn't have that synth sound to it, I'd go, Whoa. I'd be blown away by it. Like if just like Kings of Leon did it and just was a little grimy or if, like Chris Robinson from The Crows decided to just do it at the Apollo one night, I'd go, What the fuck? What's happening? Yeah. But it's just as a server and it sounded like that mix that shuffle like the first people to use shuffle was like Bennigan's and like TGI Fry's the Applebee's mix right and it was like <laughs> we'll start off
2: with uh, Appletini and uh, maybe a uh, Bloomin' Onion and the-
0: <laughs> our house dressing
3: tonight is a honey mustard peppercorn I'm just gonna put the check down it's at your convenience but I'd really like you to get out of here because I have to turn the tables over to make money because I'm the asshole to sign up for lunch so i'm trying to fuck maggie i work her into a song check the maggie she wasn't
2: working so so now you're saying it's resonated with you now and why are you getting such you know feelings from this
3: well with some tracks i don't i think 500 greatest albums first of all of all time i mean bruce has got a bunch of albums on this list my friend Pete Turner and i he's a spy uh he's been on the podcast and um we we've kind of run out of spy talk because there's some things you can't really talk about yeah so we always do like if if Oct- if uh, joshua tree is the doorway to the louvre what albums are in it and it like we go down the rabbit hole and we realize that bruce has five perfect albums the who don't have any because there's always that like mama has a squeeze box song where you're like what the <laughs> fuck Aerosmith <laughs> don't have any like bowie doesn't have any and i really bowie's the bowie's god to me like tom rhodes and i were ranking the gods and we had buddha one we had bowie two independent of each other we wrote bowie two wow it was insane wow and then christ you know whomever sure so like he has perfect perfect albums and what little steven said is fascinating to me because and what you just said it is a sea change but he's always had when he's had a, a really significant album we're in the usa or say like the river he's always come with the sea change like that's when nebraska came out was after the river because the record company wanted him to do hungry heart again and he hated the song he tried to give it to the ramones he gave it to patty smith who recorded it he was like no this would be great for you. like he was trying to talk the ramones into doing hungry heart and in hindsight you're like oh my god it would have been amazing like the ramones doing hungry heart yeah one two three four <laughs> uh so then nebraska was his like fuck you you know, here's here's the album I owe you, I'm out. So then after Born in the USA, they they put the screws to him and he comes back with this like really sad, I'm devastated, I'm heartbroken album. And it's the first, I don't know if it's the first, but what's significant to me about it is there's something just out of reach. We can get it, we can get it. This album, the narrative is more, I missed it. I just, I've missed it. I, that thing that I'm trying to get to that's just out of reach, i'm realizing it's actually out of reach behind me like that guy in the bar and like tougher than the rest he missed it and he's just bringing reality to the girls that he's meeting if you're rough enough for love i'm tougher than the rest. like hey maybe you do this too i don't know like but i'm tougher than the rest because he's been through that shit and he missed it like tunnel of love like there's so much that can happen it's a ride,
2: man. It's a ride. It's, it's a, a ride. ride down, but the, but it, it's in hindsight. Because it always comes to an end, dude. The ride always ends.
3: But when he's at the end of the ride, he's singing about the. Th- Actually, that's the only song that's in the, in the now, pretty much in the whole album. Like it's there's a there's a fat man sitting on a little stool. Like it's ha- like, like the song is happening as the action is happening. Yeah. And everything else. But for me, it it was significant because I remember thinking. The narrative is, I've, I've sort of, the unspoken narrative is sort of, I missed it. And uh, the first person is defeated and concedes to the defeat. And instead of saying, I'm not defeated, this life will kick the shit out of you like all the other albums, but I'm still going to win. I always felt like this album, I have lost and there's a piece to that. There's a sadness that's a part of who I am that I'll die with. And that's what makes me sort of not all the way. That's why it's a standing eight count, not like a knockout. Yeah. That's how I always
2: felt about it. I mean, it's that's a perfect way to sum it up. All right, Take well, your thoughts off the air. Let's, it's uh, Ray
3: could and Crawl Space coming at you <laughs> Z morning. <Caller laughs> all gets right, cheese. guys,
2: we're giving away Creed tickets today. All right, let's dive into the record. It starts off with Ain't Got You which is, I think it's a little bit of a misdirection because you're expecting it's going to be like this the rest of the record because this is like very simple and catchy. You've got- It's the
3: rockabilly.
2: Rockabilly, Bo Diddley sounding guitar, the harmonica and the wood tapping, and that is it. Peter, play minute one, second 15
1: with the I got you in my I can this
2: is the only song on the album that is this sonically minimal and it's just Bruce talking about how he has everything diamonds art bonds homes and everything but he doesn't
3: have you you have any thoughts on this? I love it. I, it's a perfect song. I sent it to my dad via email after you and I, via email. I, I speak in essay form now. <laughs> I just came here from New Delhi, India. I sent it to my father via email. Via email, see attached. I sent it to my dad because my dad does not like Bruce at all, but he loves like this rockabilly Big Bopper, this Buddy Holly stuff. He couldn't open the file and his email back. He couldn't open the file and his email back. I
2: do not know how to open this <laughs> email.
3: Listen, listen, listen. He, Linda, Linda, listen. <laughs> the in, in, the little Mexican kid I've turned into an Indian on the viral meme. <laughs> Linda, Linda, listen, listen, Linda, Linda. He said, I, I can't open the file, but you know I don't like Bruce. <laughs> I'm like, I know you don't, but this song is the one you'll like. I love it because. Like you said, it's just absolutely minimal. It is Diddley. It's hundred percent Diddley. And the lyrically, you can make out every word. You know, and that's tough with a lot of Bruce things. Well, not for you and me, obviously.
2: No, but you're hundred percent, dude. Until I read some of these lyrics, I was like, oh, that's what he's saying. I mean, it's he's he's a very mumbly singer, but that's what makes him special. Is that he's he's singing with heart and emotion. So it's like if the word doesn't come out right, it doesn't make a fucking difference. You never
3: disappointed with Bruce lyrics. that you look him up? No. The fact that you haven't sat through Born to Run yet. It, it like frightens me,
2: but I have sang "Born to Run" at one of the goddamn comedy jams, in that moment of the bam 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 bam
1: bam
2: for the, listener,
3: for the listener, Josh just truncated <laughs> that by like a minute. Yeah. That's a long bridge at the
2: end of a song. He is the king of bridges because everything in this album, his bridges are
3: so fucking good in this album. That is a, hold on. That is a high frequency observation, brother, because I didn't catch it.
2: Every like break, even when, because it ain't got you, it goes to, well, there's a of the money and a, London. that's the bridge in every, dude, in Tougher Than The Rest, the fucking dis- brilliant disguise. And every song he has these incredible bridges, and he doesn't disappoint with "Ain't Got You." But this is about possessions. What are some of your prized possessions?
3: Wow, I would say, uh, you know, after two divorces, you know, I say this on stage, so I don't. Want, I hate when people like hit dude, me, dude. It's try. fine. I know. But I just got to quantify because I hate when you realize like this guy's doing a fucking. is like doing his second special, <laughs> I Like. If the audience moans at something, I go, let me tell you guys something. I've been divorced twice. I've gotten sober twice. I've given the IRS $600,000 twice. I'm all out of fucks. (laughs) Just (laughs) void, empty, vacant of a single fuck. I don't have. You can dig around, but the moans are all yours. Yeah. I don't share it. with. So as far as prized possessions, I don't know. My uh, Mongoose BMX bike that I drive around Playa del Rey with is probably my prized possession. You love it more than anything and just like when we were kids i leave it on my lawn and i hope it's there when i wake up
2: oh i love that is it there it's got to well, be I, I people put know ex- people are like I, you don't don't take jj's i don't have, have a lawn longos. well which of any of these things i mean would you ever be willing to give up for love
3: oh i all of it i mean i fall in love every day like i just
2: you're, a, you're you 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 just put your heart in immediately
3: That's all we know man like, like don't put it on me that's us we drink from the well that's beneath the well that people don't they're not brave enough to dig through it and get to it. Like I wish
2: I, I listen, I used to be like that, but I'm not like that anymore. Not, not because I don't want to be. Um, but I used to fall in love at the drop of a hat, man.
3: And I, I just, think you do still. I think it's your, I, I know very little about you except your up mm-hmm. but as an intuitive life coach, it's, I think you're just, you occupy your time with so much content and productivity that you're not out and about in an area where you're you're able to process the the volume of opportunities and that volume of opportunity went really 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 narrow mm-hmm. but it's it's hard when you're editing 500 album podcast to like you know just go hey let's go back to my place and fucking fool around or let's just let's just walk around and i don't have to kiss you at all because if it's just i just like being around you lady yeah um yeah because it's 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 this is this is your work is the walls of the castle. That's your moat, right? Yep. I mean,
2: it's, been, it's this does take a lot of time, but
3: which is uh, a great moat to have, by the way. This is the my moat is just more, more, <laughs> but this more, but this this is one of the best jobs. But for What's your people, prize possession? My dog. Oh, I don't know if dog. I don't know if yeah. I got uh. I have three little dogs, like I said, but my Yorkie, who's twelve, Mabel. She's on my Instagram and stuff, and uh, she's she's just like she's the best she's my Janie. she's like end of a- she
2: just made me a better person yeah. she made me she I grew up when I got her two and a half years ago because it, it made me not not as selfish as I was maybe start thinking about other people and and just it was just it was the best decision I ever made best snap decision in the world
3: <laughs> like a dog she's a but- uh, she's amazing but yeah it, it's amazing the personalities we apply to the dogs and People might think we're insane, but they are exactly that. Like my Yorkie, the hardest my son ever laughed. We're in his top bunk. He was—he's eight now, so he had to have been five. is right before the, like the divorce. Before I walked out of a house with him, and I'm, if he doesn't listen to me, he'll listen to the dog. So I'll be like, "Hey, you gotta brush your teeth." And if he gets spaced out, I'll just go like, "Hey, boy!" It's this little Yorkie. He's got like no teeth, or tongue sticks out all the time. Oh yeah. Hey, boy! He goes what, well, Mabel? She goes, Yeah, brush your teeth. You know, you wanna have black lips like me, black lip, no teeth. (laughs) Okay. And just constant like shit talking, like at least dad, we're not dumb like dad, nah. (laughs) The hardest my son ever laughed was when I just we're in his top bunk, we're laying on our backs, the dog's on my chest, I go, hey boy. He goes, What, Mabel? I don't talk. (laughs) (laughs) There was a pause, another pause, and then he started like quiet. <laughs> and then it kept going, and they start. I look over; he's crying. Oh, that's the best! Like my father's insane. <laughs> this dog doesn't talk at all.
2: Mabel talks, dude. Like so, it talks. so
3: Mabel's my prized possession, and then the bike. If I can get Mabel on the bike, I'd have them as one unit. Get a fucking basket, dude. No, I mean if she was like, if it was one Are thing, you, a Mabel bike, a you know? Mabel bike. Yeah. You can, we can, we like, I'm saying, you get a basket, you
2: put her up front, then you take her everywhere. Now, let's apply this to what the song is talking about. For people expecting a record of love songs, this sort of sets the lyrical mood of this domestic dissatisfaction. So when you're saying he ain't got you, he's talking about possession. Can you ever really possess someone?
3: Yes. I'm a daddy dom and there's moments of complete possession. Really? <laughs> oh yeah. It, it's a moment of just somebody. I'm only talking about sexually. Sure. There's a moment, I know that's not what you're referring to, but there is a moment we realize this person has come undone. Yeah. And they are a child. <laughs> Oppos- they are a child, <laughs> and they need their fucking daddy to straighten things out. There's a mess up here in their brain. Yeah. Uh, but are you a possessive person? No, I'm the opposite. So, no. Obviously, you can't uh, possess a human being at all. That's, uh, that's absurd. Sure. Uh, you can try, good luck, but that's, uh, that's like setting a building on fire just so everybody can get out of it. Um, no, you cannot. I'm not possessive. I'm the opposite. I'm uh, Like every woman I've ever been with, I wanted to have them have sex with somebody else and me, but not not like cuckold like they talk shit to the person like, yeah. you're a little dick, you little bitch. Like, uh-uh. Like it's, it, and it's not like she's so slutty. It's more like worship and idolatry. Like, yeah, she should have like a whole bunch of cocks if she wants a whole bunch of sure. cocks. But every girl I've ever been with, including two wives, are like, I only want to be with you. I'm like, I know. Yeah. I don't get it.
2: Yeah. (laughs) I've been in relationships where women have tried to possess me. It's like they, they're, they, the idea that, that like they want to come with me everywhere I go, they want to spend all their time with me. I've had two girls, like I've moved in with them, like, like that at the drop of a hat. And it's like, and it was only, I remember the first time it happened, I go, I'm gonna take my time before I'm moving with somebody again. And then immediately the next relationship I'd move back in with. Now at least I know I'm looking for a girl that is that is career focused, but and so she can have her life. And she has to have friends. More than anything, I need her to have a huge group of friends that she likes hanging out with. So we can, in a sense, possess each other when we're together, but like have our separate lives. And I think that you know is is one of the big what do you think that is so many people
3: i feel i know guys get possessive but they get stalkery women seem to get more possessive more frequently more easily like it's a lower frequency possession of like when i date i am not a 24 7 human so i can't be a 24 7 in a relationship because i'm not 24 7 with me Like, I'm in a couple programs that end with A, and neither one of them have to do with food, okay? So when I'm on a date, it's like, say, like, date four, and the girl at a table like this is sitting there with me, and she goes, I just wish I saw more of you. I just go, this is over. It's over. You're seeing... Because you are seeing more of me. I don't... This is what I can give you. I don't hang out with my friend. My best fucking friends. And you know why they're my best fucking friends? Because there's an unspoken... We've never brought it up, like... We don't see each other. We're comics. We just don't see each other for a year, maybe. And then you see each other, it's just like you came in from the other room. Yeah. And it's that transient life that we have. And I don't, I don't go out with my friends. I don't go out to eat. I don't go to restaurants. I don't know. I have no idea the last movie I saw. It's been at least a decade since I went to a movie theater. I have a, I'm have a fucking single dad with primary custody of a guy who is my life. You do see more of me. And that's you're choosing to spend this time complaining exactly but like yeah. the dates on a Monday and you can't see them because you can't see them Wednesday when they originally asked. And then on the Monday date, they're going, I just wish I could see you Wednesday though. too." It's like, well then you're not seeing me right now. Yeah. But I'm also like maddening. I'm an accelerant. I make them insane.
2: I mean, that's, that's, you know, what relationships are, It just we bring out the best and the worst of people. So if, you know, but that's the thing. They should know going into it that you're this kind of person. Do you let them know
3: up front? Yeah, I have a poetry book coming out. Uh, well, it's just been handed in, so it's not like coming out. Like, oh, yeah. So, you know, hit my website, drop it. <laughs> it just drops. Amazon, yo. But if a poetry book had a single, it's I'm um, an accelerant. And it, I just, my neighbor said to me once, I was explaining to him like a couple like, what the fuck with a different chicks, And he just goes, oh, so you're an accelerant. I went yes, like I will disappoint you. I can't help it. Like go to the whip, do what you got to do. Like, so I, I'm definitely that. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm not sure how we. I uh, I'm like Lombard Street. Like I'm gonna keep bending it around. So we better keep to these tracks, okay. So I ain't got you. I like to imagine that this is because it's the breakup record. This album speaks to me. More deeply than I thought, than I thought possible prior to my divorce. Because that, like, I I went to You've a mental hospital it. twice, really, in the last two years. Yeah, to ask for a bed. I was visiting somebody else both times. It was a Friday. Just by the grace of God and the universe and you know the the Tao, it was just. Both times it was a Friday. Both times I was at the Melrose Improv on the Saturday, and both times there was a and so. As I said, excuse me, I went, oh, I can't do this to Rita. They're sold out. I can't cancel like the night before. Yeah. And then both times on Sunday, there was a weird 7.30 a.m. wrestling practice. And I just, I roll every day with these. And I just, that, those were the paddles I like, clear. <clears throat> yeah. And I went, oh, if I do this all the time, I, maybe I'll avoid A if I just do B and C constantly. So, so if I think of this song I got you, of the person being right next to him, like on a couch it's way more powerful for me. And it has to be that way. If that's, if it's true to the rest of this album, it's not somebody he can't have. It's somebody he does have, but he can't fucking have because yeah. they're not there. Cause in my marriage, it was like, she was like a watercolor that just kept fading and fading. And you're like, you know, we should move this out of the sun. It's fading. Like, what are you talking about? It's fine. Yeah. And you just get gaslit. Like, no, it's not like you're not here. So that's, that's why this song like knocks me on my ass too. Cause I have to get through the rockabilly to the root of the root, and that's she has to be right next to him. They have to like make love and. No, I, I
2: think you're. I agree with you on that. And then it goes into which is my favorite song on the record, tougher than the rest. Uh, all I wrote was. I
3: texted you. Track two makes me sick. And I was like, it "What sucks. the fuck, dude? I, my my iTunes was on shuffle for some reason. I didn't shuffle anything." And another song What was the one That I hated uh, you, Walk Like a Man
2: you, Oh god and It's got great I lyrics I don't
3: like that either Yeah It should be in like A
2: Sean Young movie It's, it's like cheese ball. But this isn't
3: And you're like copper than the rest I'm like No 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 Because I don't want To lose your respect Like yeah, I'm yeah, a, yeah. The validation addict <laughs> me. I'm like No no no, no I, I, I swear Shuffle Shuffle
2: But this is great Here Peter Play the opening verse To this
0: Well it's
1: Saturday night You're all I've been watching you for a while Maybe you've been watching me too So somebody ran out and Left somebody's heart in a mess Well, if you're listening
2: I love everything about this song. Like I said earlier, it made me tear up. It's just a powerful song about two people that have been through the muck in love and the bridge basically sums it up perfectly with Springsteen's imagery. The road is dark and it's a thin, thin line, but I want you to know I'll walk it for you anytime. Maybe your other boyfriends couldn't pass the test. If you're rough and ready for love, honey, I'm tougher than the rest.
0: Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating.
2: So powerful. It had, you know what the song reminds me of? A little bit of like "Streets of Philadelphia." Kind of has that same like producer. same, same producer, same structure, same everything.
3: And minimalist, and very. Because he did that on a four track, Philadelphia. Did he really? Yeah, it's vocals, it's the synth, it's and the, the drum jump, machine, jump. and then it's the back vocals. That's it. And it wasn't finished. And so when he handed it in, it was a temp, and they kicked him out of when they were, loop, they were looping at Sony. And they're like, uh, get out.
2: <laughs> Why? Because they loved it so much already? It's, it's what it it's is. Perfect. It's, it's, what, it's perfect. Well, you know what's funny about this? Originally, this song was written as a rockabilly song. The final version has a slower, more methodical oh, rhythm. I, I could this. you imagine if this would have been sped up and like rockabilly? I just, I could not. It's like. Well, it's the, Saturday all
3: night. The... <laughs> You're all dressed up been blue. I've been it's... watching you. I've been watching me too. Actually, now I can. <laughs> With that fucking bizarre... I mean, you did a great job at it. I'm sure. Still, but but, but my, still, it's... fake voice I just pulled out.
2: So this is a true love song. It's real, no bullshit, no fluff, no empty words or meanings within it. Are you the type of guy that would compete for a woman's affection or would you just give up and pick somebody else?
3: That's a great question and my answer is not a dodge at all. No, but... The way no, the way I would, sh- again, I'm not being cute. You are adorable, no, absolutely. You said you are adorable though. That's right. Okay. Fuck yeah, dude. I'm a rep guy. I'm not a max guy. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I like the raps. I can tell, dude. I know. You want to know my fighting weight is? <laughs> Get a scale. <laughs> rolls up. Let's go, bro. Let's do it. You want a thug, man? Let's thug. All right, back to the question. What do you got? No, that's so part you... of the answer. Okay. Oh, really? <laughs> I, no, I would never compete. But there's a perverse and subversive uh, thing in me that, by not competing, that is the comp- That is my. That's my play. So it's
2: like it's just you do the opposite. You just if everybody's doing guy, that, you
3: go with that guy. Yeah. I'm not gonna like send you flowers. Like a, I'm gonna send you a card in the mail. Regardless, because that's what I do. I try. I have stamps on me at all times. I do. <laughs> I have cards in this bag. That's probably my prize possession. It's my this my bag, wrestling your bag card bag. bag yeah. yeah, I got wrestling shoes in there. I got like I jump. I got everything I need right there. That's my bug out bag. I Fuck could, yeah, dude. I got medication. My service revolver. <laughs> oh, forget it, bro. Fifty yard line, Santa Monica High. End of days. That's where we're meeting. <laughs> so I, I, I'm gonna do what I do. I'm gonna text you like if a poem comes to mind. It's like. I wrote this in traffic at the meter of seven and it just happens to do with the princess, you know, being whatever with a, I'm going to text you what I would normally text you. And that, that's, I'm just going to be vigilant and relentless with what I do because I think you're hot and I think you're beautiful and I think you're kind and I see you and I know what I wouldn't say is I know it. I wouldn't say anything where I put it versus like I'm, I'm this and he's not that. I wouldn't address that person. Because at the end of the day, like I don't get jealous. I'm the opposite of possessive. It's just like do your thing, great. I'll be here if you circle back. I'll be around. So no, I I wouldn't no. <laughs> no, but but either, it's a, it's it's a every,
2: every every answer though definitely you know it, it can be yes or no, but it's like the explanation was perfect. But then let me ask you this: How long does it take you then to become vulnerable with someone? i am never not down? vulnerable
3: with somebody. So you're a,
2: right off the jump. You're just you're just an open heart. I mean you're you're I, you Josh, know. I'm a
3: I'm an addict. I'm a drug yeah. addict. I'm an alcoholic. I'm a fucking I'm a maniac. I, I I'm I am I'm an accelerant. I'm crazy. But I know now the kind of crazy. Like I'm not buying somebody else's narrative of like the kind of crazy I am. Yeah. Like I yeah, I fall in love off the jump. Like I I've been with If I'm with a girl. And we like make out and just like that's it. And that I tell every girl I'm ever with, if this is all that ever happens, great. I'm 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 totally sated. And I've learned that makes them crazy. Not in a good way. Like Yeah. Like what do you mean? Like if I just kiss your cheek, shake your hand, kiss your cheek, give you a hug goodbye at the end of this date, if that's all that happens, great. Like I just like being around you. Because I do just like being around them. I like being around people. That I like being around until I like being completely in solitude. Because I go under the porch really well too. And I'm realizing like more and more like why these songs hit me in my fucking gut so hard. Because it's just these lonely fucking records, and I'm God's lonely man. It's like um, I'm quoting Taxi Driver. I wasn't, you know. No, you're good. <laughs> um, yeah, off the jump, of course. Like when I'm with somebody, I'm I've I just take that's the container that I fill. It, I don't know how else to if I could help it I would I don't know how to I don't know how to love slowly I don't know how to kiss quietly I don't know how to I don't know any other way I don't I can't and that's something I don't want to contain like when you put a marker down on a piece of paper and you hold it down the circle gets wider and wider and wider and wider and wider wider. like that's just that's me that pinpoint that's for stand-up that's where I can go dot bleed dot bleed dot bleed they're waiting for it to bleed. Like that's why I control time. Yeah. But when I'm with somebody, man, it's just boo boo. i put putting the ocean into a trash can. That's what I tell the wrestlers. Like, you're never gonna beat me because I'm just gonna put the ocean inside of a trash can. Yeah. And they don't know what it means until you know 20 seconds in. They're like, they don't know that's all I have. Get me out of the trash can. Because I'm fucking 50. Like they don't know if they could just ride that 20 seconds out. They're gonna kick the shit out of me. Yeah. But I love it. Just like women. Like if you just if you ride out that overwhelming, like they get spooked. And I think that's, you've had the exact same experience. Like you're, you're present, like you are present. So don't doubt that ever. Like you are here now. And for the listeners that are like, what are they talking about? Just, we know what we're talking about. Yeah. And when you're across from somebody and you're actually right there across from somebody, it's, it scares the shit out of people. When you're entirely there and you're not looking for exits and you're not sabotaging, self-sabotaging if you're not like putting like you know spikes in the road and shit then they start doing it because they're not used to just having somebody's undivided attention going that's really interesting this really interests me what you do for a living really interests me so when you go to work how what's it set up like like the questions you and i ask after a while they they just they realize they're in some deep ass water and that's all we know so it's yeah i i i'm only in it to fall in love I saw. I was in Hawaii once in Kauai. I went to a tattoo parlor. I didn't get the tattoo, but the tattoo artist had a tattoo on his chest. I'll never forget. It was a guy holding like a, like how a koala bear holds like a, a like a, a, a vertical branch, a, a trunk of a tree. Yeah. It was around a bomb. His arms and legs like holding a bomb as a bomb was falling. And the thought bubble was, "Here I go again." Wow. And it's like a giant like bomb just going straight down, like with like. Sh- the guy goes, "Here I go again." I'm like, that's me. Oh, that's that's me, a hundred percent. How about I'm the only person on earth that could take fuck a Bruce Springsteen album and make it about me? <laughs> right. All right. It's, it's, Jim was very magnanimous with his self-centeredness. All right.
2: All right. All that heaven will allow. Peter, play 42 seconds into this. Say- What I love about it is I love when he's talking about, like, you know, he's talking to the bouncer about how he that's left his wallet. It's like, that's really cool. He paints this picture perfectly, and, and it's a great song. The song captures that blissful, carefree feeling of being in love. No matter what happens, he believes everything is going to be okay despite any trouble coming their way. Or does he?
3: That's the whole thing with well, this there's whole that, album. There's I'm that not...
2: Catholic, you know, there's that Catholic guilt that he's got. You know, because there's that phrase in Catholicism, "all that heaven will allow," like basically saying like she's pretty spectacular, but there are restrictions on her perfection. Or maybe it's about when lust meets guilt and has to pretend it has a higher,
3: noble intention. The last verse: um, "Now some may die young, man, young and gloriously." Get it straight, now, Mister Buddy. That ain't me. That's the. Those are the two sentences where I go. Oh, this is all like his, his like. His edifice, his facade, yeah. like I mean, everything's great. Like just if you got somebody that loves you, all that heaven will allow. What am I going in the club for? For all that heaven will allow. I love this song because it's, it, he's 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 full of shit and he knows he's full of shit. Like like what you said about the bouncer, that's what I got too. That's what I cherry picked from it too because it's, he's naming people like he does so well, like Hazy Jane. The Magic Man, Spanish John. And when he says, Hey there, Mr. Bouncer. Hey there, Mr. Bouncer. Now all I want to do is dance, but it's where I left my wallet back home and my working pants I love. Come on, Slim. Slip me in, man. It's It's like... It's great. It's so not... If you're not that, like, audiophile cuckoo Bruce like I am, I'm telling you, like... That's not how he writes at all. Like, come on, Slim, slip me in. It's just too perfect a to meter. Well, he's, it's Dr. I, Seuss I mean, almost. He's
2: be- He becomes these people. It's almost like it's if, if he's like being John Malkovich into somebody else's body to tell
3: this story. You yeah. know?
2: I think like something he's experienced, you know? It's, well,
3: we all have. That's the thing. That's what makes him so unlike anybody before or after is he writes. He is the boss. And Bono said when he inducted him into the Hall of Fame calls himself the boss but that's not accurate because he works for us yeah because this guy is a billionaire yeah. this guy wrote born to run when before any of you listening were fucking born literally like 70 he wrote it in probably 75 76 and we're, we're talking about something like i don't even understand like how this this catalog the amount of shit he's written It's insane, but like he, he, this is all of us. Like, I want to go into the club. I get there, realize my wallets and my other pants. So I'm gonna talk to the bouncer. Like, all I want to do is dance. I have a date with all that heaven will allow. Like, that's, I'm I'm going for fucking everything because I got like fuck it. I got nothing to lose. Yeah, you nailed it. Essentially, I could have just went, word, word, <laughs> but word. No, that was good, though.
2: How long are you usually with someone before you realize that they're just another flawed human on their own journey?
3: That's the entrance for me. Now. When you know that they're flawed, that's when you're like, oh, this is... Separate from recovery, my personal seeking, we're all spiritually sick, somehow. All of us. Were you raised religious? Not at all. Okay. And it was kind of like this satellite the church was like a mile down fairview avenue and it was just you know we would shoot hoops in there it was it was an absolute religious free life but the spirituality in hindsight i realized was a living breathing thing that we you know riding your bikes and just shooting hoops in the church you know and church would be left open at night so we'd go in there and just Like I played bells and like I was in a choir. I'm like, I was in the, I remember like choir practice. Like what the fuck? Like what life was this mine? It was mine, but it wasn't at all about like, you know, God and this and that. Like it was just this nice, quiet, idyllic suburban Jersey thing. So I know going in, they're flawed. I know going in, I'm flawed. Like I'm, I'm like glass that you can barely see through a window. Like, yeah, but that's what I open with. That's what I lead with. I'm very honest about it. Yeah. And then it's just sort of like that jack in the box, like seeing how long I can ride this person before, you know. Bruce Smirnoff had a great joke. He goes, Every girl I meet, That's when I meet him. <laughs> I wow. Like, oh, he, should... I don't even... he does stand up now just on cruise ships. He's the best. But I'm like, that's one of the greatest jokes. You know those jokes you go, how did I not write that? Yeah. And that's that's so... I'm just trying to time the spring on them. And I sort of... When I meet them, you know, bah, I'm jumping out of the box. Like, that's what they see first. Yeah. And that's what everybody sees first about me. I can't control it, but I know I can go from like... I'm able now to keep that from being like the scary fucking... Jesus Christ. Like Jesus, things. that scared the shit out of me now. It's like, just like it
2: opens and you come out like, hey.
0: Like
3: just I just want you to know I'm kind of, I'm around the corner. You're about to see this I'm big, a, jumpy, scary, springy thing with yeah. a goofy smile on his face that's going to fucking share a lot of nonsense with you. And just, you, you don't have to track it. It does all track. If you don't understand mm-hmm. what I'm talking about, just don't even worry about it. I'll make sure you understand the things that you need to understand. Yeah. Like, I just come in with these like, fucking, like, lesson plans and shit. <laughs> so, no, I, I know they're flawed. I know I'm flawed, and I just...
2: I think that's what makes it special. You know, when, when you, like you said, I love how you said you're vulnerable, right? From the jump. And I think when you meet somebody that you can both share that we're both, we both have made mistakes in life. It's just, it's, it's, it's literally tougher than the rest. It's like, you've been through shit. I've been through shit. You know what I mean? But let's be honest about our shit. And not put on, you know, that, that not to quote another song, but that brilliant disguise. Let's let's just lay it out there.
3: Brilliant disguise is like the the tune to me. That's the tune. And but tougher than the rest. And so all that heaven will allow, I love. It's so interesting to me. And I become a little fascinated by his lyrics sound tinny. One thing about Bruce is he's like like that guttural growling. Yeah. And for some reason the way he's singing this, he's way up in his nose. I got a in my pocket. Yeah. It sounds almost weak. And like it's all just going to fall apart and they're going to have to start to take over the whole song. Yeah. And i missed just let me. in. so it's really, I think the producers sell him out often. And I think he's overcome producers that are known as gods. And like Born in the USA is the most heartbreaking album ever, but you would never know it by listening to it. Like, fuck yeah. Like, no, he's going to kill himself every track, you idiots. Wow. <laughs> like, you know, but so this, it gets too synthy and stuff, this album, for me personally. But I know that Heaven Will allow, allow, I think it's a genius production because they chose the vocals where it's that thin. And one thing about Bruce, you could never describe it as thin ever. It's always... Out on the back street. Yeah, he's like singing down. from his from his his cop, pain, his fucking dick, yeah, yeah, dude. And it's this one's like, I got a dollar It's almost yeah, it's, like a, it's an apology coming in. Yes, I know I completely agree. Like with I can't that. get in, I know I'm not supposed to be in because there's a cover charge, but I do have money, it's just not here, it's in my working pants. All the, and the only time his vocal kind of kicks back is "all oh, that heaven will allow then he goes back into the when he says that it goes guttural yeah and then it goes back up to tinny when he's like kind of i know this shouldn't be happening because it's it's a kind of a look back into like uh greetings from asbury park it's a look back to um you know born to run uh the innocent the wild the eastwood shovel where it's like kitty's back like who's kitty yeah. like who's Spanish John drove in from the underworld last night with bruised arms and broken rhythm, but dressed just like dynamite. You're like, who the fuck is Spanish John? (laughs) And Puerto Rican Jane came came out of the shower. She's like, out of the shadows. And you're like, who's she? So like now with the doorman, like, come on. I know he's just calling him Slim, like as a nickname. Let me in. I'll take care of you later somehow. And I'm like thinking like his working pants, like how is he dressed? I I can... I can smell his like aftershave.
2: Oh, it's it's a hundred. I probably know a
3: little bit of like shaving cream in the corner of yeah, the yeah, dude, yeah. It's like come on, man. It's not a place where like they're too snooty at all. Yeah. So it's something probably where it's like, if he lived there six months <laughs> longer, they would have seen him a block away and went, bro, come on in, bro, you're good. Yeah. But then they got to put up the front like, I don't know, no goddamn Harold. <laughs> Harold sent me. So yeah, I love this tune.
2: I do too. All
3: right. Spare parts. Peter, play the
2: opening.
1: Bobby said he
2: This one, I would call like the rock and roll song of it. This is probably the heaviest song on it. But I mean, if you listen to the first three songs of this album, you might think that it's just another 80s sounding old fashioned no, no, throwback no, record. Started with rock no, and roll, I know. Yeah. That's true. That's true. But then Spare Parts comes in and it's a lyrical gut punch from the first line. Dude, He, I mean, this, is, this line is insane. Bobby said he'd pull out. Bobby stayed in. Janie had a baby. It wasn't any sin. They were set to marry on a summer day. Bobby got scared and ran away. I mean, he is giving you this character-driven story that you that you only are going to get from Bruce Springsteen. You know what I mean?
3: Yeah. Like I was just saying, like like who's Bobby? Who's? I think you should just read the entire song because it's it is exactly Bruce. Yeah. No, I Cause... agree. Jane moved in with her ma out on Shawnee Lake. She sighed, Ma, sometimes my whole life feels like one big mistake. She settled in a back room. Time passed on. Later that winter, a son came along. Fucking. This is though, this is the first song. It's insanely great.
2: It's insanely great, but this is the first song that he's now writing from a female perspective.
3: Spare parts and broken hearts keep the world turning round. That doesn't sound like. Sounds like it could be anybody, really. Yeah. Like, it could be better, like, spare parts, all right. Oh, completely. Broken hearts, keep the world turning around. Oh. But in context of this song and its truthfulness, like, what have we been talking about? Spare parts and broken hearts, that's... We're still here. I love it. Well, this whole
2: story is about this this woman, Janie, and how she got fucked over by this guy, Bobby, because Bobby wasn't man enough to... To stay with her when she had the kid. He's not, he's basically talking about fragile male egos. So, speaking of female perspectives, though, uh, you recorded a Showtime special and Grammy nominated album that was written by your then second wife. And you also legally added your last name. Her last, her last I name. Took to it like your middle, middle name. name. Yeah. yeah. John and,
3: Ferguson Coxmoor.
2: So, In a way, I can see a reverse gender comparison of you getting knocked up, being given the matrial, having a birth, the baby, and having to take responsibility for it. Except that you actually got to take her name in marriage.
3: I actually have primary custody of a baby. Yeah, I mean, I actually walk the kid across the floors every night, like it says in the song. Yeah, like I am. I didn't think I was going to have an apartment at forty eight. At a $4 million house in the Palisades. Shit was, it was up and running, yeah. you know, and it's, it wasn't, nobody gets married to get divorced. Like, that's the crazy, I got a 16-year-old son I don't see. Like, I got, I am spare parts. I am spare. Tom Baringer in Platoon, I am spare parts. So, <laughs> when you talk about the Catholicism that you're talking about, you know, the religious overtones. In Nebraska, there's a reason to believe. Um, take the baby to the river. Kyle William, they named, they named him. And this one, there's another baptism in this song. So it, it it's really incongruent for the way the song sounds and the way that guitar like wha, and the harmonica yeah. like, everything like is really like brash. And then there, there, like the the next two verses are about a baptism and like the mist over the water and like washing the baby's head in the water and cleansing away his sins. It, it's 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 a pretty fascinating song.
2: No, but 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 going back to the special though. You trusted that her material oh, was, was going to be strong enough.
3: Well, it was. I mean, it was just
2: it but, was. That's but 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 was it an ego check to be the interpreter rather than the creator?
3: It could be, but you're also the creator when you're delivering the idea that the person wrote. Like you know, no no. I don't believe any comic on earth is capable, and this is a compliment to all comics, of being handed something and not having tags for it. So when it's written by, yeah, there's only three bits in that special. The first one is if similar hates, a couple of have similar hates. That's before the dating app. Like I was, I predate that the yeah. dating app about what you both don't like. Uh, the second bit is about dateline, and about murder on television. And the third bit is about irony. And it's just like this double helix. So those three concepts were, um, brought to me by my ex-wife i had personal stories about when irony had like bit me in the ass that i could apply like my wife didn't write line for line about when we got so high we thought we were gonna fucking die and we went to the liberace museum like that's me filling in you know the uh, the, the diorama like she hands me the box and it's like there's a little classroom inside the box but i'm the one that goes there could be a globe over here there's a coat room over there. I'll put some paper and some little chalky things up on the chalkboard. Yeah. So it, the ego check is needed. I think for us to be where we need to be as comedians, because you have, if you're going to be a comedian, you're going to wind up being an actor at some point, even if it's just on stage talking and selling your own story and acting like something happened that didn't happen and letting the audience think it really fucking happened. And the stories that really did happen, they think it don't happen. It's, It's just a a shell game. So the ego check is just accepting that somebody else wrote it and you're fine with people knowing that. But then I'm aware. You know what? It It was powerful for me and it was empowering for me because it was one of the first things I did independent of external validation. So having it say written by Nikki Cox I didn't give a shit because I knew what I brought to the special. I knew how much of the special I wrote. This wasn't something that was handed to me, written word for word for word for word for yeah. word that I recited like a play. But those three ideas were brought to, brought up in the course of discussion discussions in the marriage because she's the most brilliant woman I've ever met in my life, hands down. One of the funniest. The only civilian I ever wanted to be as funny as. Wow. I mean, that's big. That's huge. So. It was a big one for me because it wasn't about external validation, which is why we do what we do. We just need that external validation. I had internal validation, so I was comfortable with saying, yes, yeah, she wrote this um, and not going. But I also, this is the first time I've ever actually said this out loud, but I, we wrote it, you know, Yeah. and it's that's fine. It's great. So I, I see what you're saying, but. But but
2: how do you keep your ego in check then throughout just now? I mean, when, was there a time that your ego was
3: just out don't, of control? Of course it was. I mean, I've lost that's a
2: very that's you're giving up your ego to say, especially as a comic, to go, "This is her material. I'm just making it my own." But so like you know, well, I've done that before. Like you're
3: friends it's with very Bert. Selfless. Like I heard you on Bert's podcast. Like Bert had a story about Tracy Morgan, and when he told the story, I said, "We were at the Irvine Improv at a, the the end of this is going to be." I did somebody else's material. That's ego, you know, and getting, com- not because I was asked, I was asked to do it, but getting comfortable to the point where I'm doing it when they're not around, that's that's off the charts crazy ego. So Bert, we were at the Irvine Improv at the back booth and Dan Godfrey was there, my wife was there, his wife at the time, Cindy was there and Bert was there and he told that Tracy Morgan story and I was like, you have to tell this story on stage. Like, what are you doing? Because Bert's, The best storyteller I've ever known in my life. It's like Joey Diaz. I mean, that's that's the Beatles. Yeah, (laughs) that's the Bill Russell. And now we can put together (laughs) the Mount Rushmore of the NBA and the music. And he goes, "I can't do Tracy." And he literally, it was between the first and second show, and he goes, "You do it." I swear to Jesus Christ, and I'm a Christian. I was born a Buddhist, but I'm also a Christian. Yeah, that this is a factual. All this is fact. I'm way past fucking needing cover whatsoever. Sure. So. I was like, really? He goes, yeah. So I did it second show. It murdered. I opened with it because he had to go. The next night, he goes, do... He had a friend with him. He goes, do the Tracy story again. I told him that you were doing. All right. So he was my opening act for years. So it was just something I did in front of him. But then when I wasn't working with Bert, I would still do it. That's how you get out of paying for the check, Bert. And the ego is... At some point in that journey, that rocket that's going to disintegrate. I haven't spoken. He was one, one of my best absolute friends. best friends. Oh, yeah. And when I hear him speaking about how his view of the relationship was, it makes me cry. Like, if I'm on the road, I'm listening to him and Bobby Lee. Bobby's talking about Carlos and Bert's talking about me. I'm like, he's not wrong. If that's how he feels. He's not making this shit up. Bert's not the kind of guy that's going to go... I'm getting choked up now. Bert's not the kind of guy that's going to go... um. Like make up a false narrative. It's how he felt the way I behaved, and that's heartbreaking that I was that unaware. That's ego also. Yeah. So at some point I start going. That's how you get out of paying for the check, Bert. Because I have my own Tracy Morgan stories because he's my friend. So that's I'm blinded by ego here. So instead of just telling my Tracy stories, I keep telling Bert's story when he's not around. And then at some point I go. That's how you get out of paying for the check, Bert. That's how you get out of paying for the check, Bert. That's how you get out of paying for the check, Jay Moore's. And I like the way that feels. Jay Moore, now it happened to me. I convinced myself, the audience, they need to think it happened to me. That's theft. That's betrayal. Yeah. And in my life, my honesty of admitting when I've done something like that has sort of been the primary ammunition against me. Like when I was on Saturday Night Live, I stole something I saw from Rick Shapiro because I was like, this will never get on the air. I just can't pitch. I'll get be fired if I don't pitch. And it just sails through Gee, all the way yeah. to the air. And I'm like... Well, the odds of everybody knowing who that one guy is are pretty slim. Pretty slim, yeah. Guess what? He knew who he was, and he saw that episode, and it was on. Yeah. And, And Bert. So if you take one instance in 1992, and Bert talking about it on Rogan's podcast, which is millions and millions of rabid, fantastic fans, like they're just so committed. Oh, yeah. And if they can look at 1992 and say 2000, I'm guessing, six, they go... This motherfucker, this timeline is just all theft. If you come see my stand-up, the idea of me stealing is preposterous. My son's name is Meredith. It's a very specific, very narrow beam of light I'm working with, you know? Yeah. So yeah, my ego has obliterated friendships. I've I've like the 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 prize, there is no prize anymore. Like if Bert showed up at my door and said, Let's just be friends again. I'm never going to be 100% comfortable around Burt. I know. Because I know what of, you mean. because of my own hurt. Sure. Of like you didn't stand up for me and say I don't steal. You know, but, but why would he? I did. Yeah. But I can't have it both ways. I did it. And I I mean I I can't I cannot apologize anymore. But because, but,
2: but also too, and not to cut you off. But also, you need to give yourself credit because it sounds like you you've accepted what you've done, and it's like your ego is completely gone. The fact that you can you know release it like that, you have to forgive yourself.
3: Oh, I have, Good. and my ego is close to dead, but it can't ever be really dead in no. show business because. <laughs> but my ego is also why I apologize as an addict. I I'm a validation addict, and when I'm wrong and I apologize. I really dig it because I get validation for being that cool and apologizing. <laughs> yeah, I know. I like hey, I shouldn't have done the bird thing I like uh you were the anything else so like so much for apologizing. I'll be honest with you. Last time I was here I, I uh I took fifteen dollars off your t- I don't even know why I did it. I'm just making something up. Yeah. Like when they go like I never would have noticed that. Thank you. I'm like, uh eh, huh, got it. <laughs> like that perverse, like fucking through the back entrance behind the revival tent validation, like it's sickening. I, yeah. I get applause on my like, way to work. When I'm walking to my office, they go, yeah, (laughs) and then I'm like, right, for an hour and a half, right, guys, right, right. We're all having a good time still, right, guys? Yeah. I mean, I, it, 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 I've been through the looking glass of like I make myself sick, and through the looking glass of I'm oblivious to I should be making myself sick, and now I'm landed squarely, in the this is this. Yeah. And I'm, I'm aware, and you know I've. Forgive me yourself. That's the hardest person to make amends to is yourself. Oh, 100%. You, you got to go around going like, hey, if I fuck this up, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And yourself, let yourself off the hook is the hardest part. Yeah, because you let yourself off the hook first for the wrong reason. That's what a cover story is, an alibi. Like, no, I didn't do that. I did this. Well, come on. What's everybody fucking getting crazy about? Yeah. So, no, that's, you know. So, that's why I, uh, I listen to Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> Perfect. All
2: right. Cautious man. Uh, Peter, play the opening.
1: Bill Orton was a cautious man of the road. He walked looking over his shoulder and remained faithful to his code.
2: Just guitar and synth the entire song. Once again, Something extremely heavy. Now this is about his marriage falling apart, but he disguised it as a man named Billy. Billy struggles between doing the right thing and doing the thing that's right in front of him. And he's also a man of the road. He can prepare himself for something in the distance, but always has to deal with the unexpected thing right in front of him first. He's a comedian. He's a comedian. In a very Catholic perspective, the overly cautious Billy is so aware of the road that temptation will lead him down that he tries to fortify himself by praying. And even though it's never explicitly said, the implication is that by the end of the song, Billy has inevitably betrayed his wife despite his morals or religion. Is that what you got?
3: Oh, yeah. I mean, there, it's that's another recurring thing with Bruce songs is, when, you know, despite it not being openly said, it's, it's really obvious, like, yeah, absolute, like stolen car off of uh, the river, like, that's the guy who's stepping out, but he's driving a stolen car down on Eldridge Avenue. Yeah. each night I hope to get caught, but I never do. yeah like, he's not stealing fucking cars. It's like great euphemism and an analogy. So yeah, I, I agree completely with that. Where did you with that your This own... is me and this is Morty, dude. Morty and this me how, this is how good you and Morty are is I actually just asked you where did you get that? <laughs> like what Rolling Stone article? Did you no, that it's from? a dude Morty well just done. Morty
2: knows everything about dude. He just knows everything about music. He's a great buddy. He helps me with the questions and it's it's a mixture of my honest opinion and then him finding the facts out. But this is about betrayal. Have you ever been on either side of betrayal?
3: Oh, absolutely. There's a profound hurt from the betrayal of my divorce. Like that's, I'll never, I'll never understand why. Like that's the ultimate betrayal. Like there wasn't like cheating. She didn't cheat on me. It's just, why couldn't you just show up? Why couldn't you just answer the bell when I said this isn't like? Why'd you gaslight me into? It's not me being a victim because I'm a horrible victim and it makes me so yeah that was the betrayal i my there's some deep down personal shit that i kind of mentioned earlier very peripherally there i'm like how, what kind of a fucking person are you that you know betrayal stuff and then i've betrayed like my last girlfriend i cheated on i've never been a cheater when i was married i never looked in another direction ever because you cheat once you're a cheater you die a cheater yeah you don't go it doesn't go from mis, you know felony to misdemeanor You don't work it off your Your record
2: yeah if you cheat once your life
3: your conscious is not your record your conscious is your conscious your record can be manipulated lost it can be you know you know expunged yeah your conscious never goes it's there until your last we think until your last salient thought and then we might keep going we don't know so i cheated on my ex um we're we're dating now again it's just that insatiability that validation like having sex with somebody is the ultimate validation like okay i'm all right i'm all right and um and what broke my heart about it that's not me inversing the prism what was so hurtful to that the person that i actually loved the most the person that i saw that like Tiny, tiny, tiny baby bunny bird, that little wounded bluebird of a little, of a girl. The one I would protect is the one I hurt the most I've hurt anyone in my life. There's nobody I hurt more than this girl for, for a pussy. And that was devastating for her. I remember she mailed me back every note I had ever written her, every card, Every like little like weird plastic ring with an ant on it from playing skee ball at the sure. pier. Yeah, and so I, opened, I opened a bag of hurt. Oh man! Like every note, it was like six months all in. A I had visual proof of my, not pathetic. It's healthy, but like just that that vigilant. Like still thinking about you, still thinking about you. So so the old me would have said pathetic, but it wasn't pathetic. It was it was honest. And just the output was, it's like Lennon and McCartney. You just don't fucking stop. You just keep writing, keep writing. Because that's how you feel. You have to get it out. Don't postpone joy. Share it. And to have that back and see the volume and the understanding that this person doesn't want it. Doesn't want a record. Talk about expunged from the record. Like, doesn't want it. She's giving it all back. She doesn't want any in her life. Wow. It was like a sack. Like a Santa bag. And it was just, I opened a bag of hurt. That's never happened to anybody, really. Like, I just opened a bag of pain, and that's when I went, I fucking, like, cr- I have crippled somebody for something so fleeting and stupid. It's because of fucking Instagram. Hey, Instagram, <laughs> stop telling the person I'm fucking they should be hanging out with the person I want to fuck. <laughs> hey, you both have this guy in common. You should follow each other. I disagree. Okay. Oh, no, 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 because then you you didn't you have the inevitable conversation When the girlfriend's like Why do you like all of her posts I don't What are you talking about I don't know who that is Who is she She's a stranger from the internet Who is Why do you like You like everything she's done the last year Who? Why Well I I, I want to fuck her in case you die Like that's literally it <laughs> you can't In case. That. You, but that's literally it I know If we don't want to just go Fuck them this moment If you die The sympathy pussy's gonna be Off the charts Yeah and that's the, in case of emergency. Break glass,
2: dude. That's the best nut. The best nut is the post, like death nut. Like if you're if you're in the <laughs> sitting, the sitting shivages. Like that's that's about as good as it gets. I feel like though. I got a buddy
3: Hackett's house. When we're sitting, <laughs> wait, wait. When did you get laid because of fucking grief? After my
2: dad died, I remember the oh, best okay. sex I ever had was with my girlfriend at the time, and it, I mean, it was like a, it was like the like the final scene in Munich where he's like,
0: God,
3: yeah!
2: yeah! God, he's like he's coming for all the like the the, the 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 Olympic people. All right, check us out.
3: No, 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 fuck this bit is better than this Bingman song.
2: Post sex nut? I mean, that's that's something this that's bit everybody is better though. Than this song,
3: and that's how that's how funny you are, and I'm not kidding. This is way better than the song thank you very we're much. About. But thank like you. the parallels are amazing because after my mom died, my best sex was with my dad. <laughs> I'm embarrassed <laughs> that I had... that that thing had a tail so long. Yeah. I almost didn't get it through the door in time <laughs> like before you realized. A minute it, it, there, there was if it was a nanosecond longer, you would have went fuck you. You would cut me off and like, shut up.
0: Porn, Satan, drugs, therapy. It's not just the list of what I'm up to this weekend.
3: Jeremiah Freitz from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11.
2: According to the E Street Band drummer Max Weinberg, when he called in to help and add real drums to the recordings for this album, Bruce played him the songs twice. Max told Bruce something like, That guy is really confused. Bruce replied, exactly. The character goes between 51% and 49% certain that he's made the right or wrong decision. He keeps going back and forth between the percentages of that morality between right and wrong. How do you resolve the conflict between what you know and what you feel?
3: You should really save these questions for just... Anytime you podcast, man. Because these are like blistering questions. These are great. Thank you, buddy. I don't know if there is a conflict. Of course there is. I mean, of course there is. Yeah. I'm able to identify it like playing Frogger. When you know like this truck's coming, like don't go through here. My son is eight. So I know for a fact that I am the port in the storm i'm bad cop essentially and my son is happiest when he's going to somebody else's house and it breaks my heart so that's a situation that i can see often where my feeling and what reality is what i know to be true battle but your feeling is true because you can't control how you feel sure Like clouds just roll in, they roll out. You just got to not kick the shit out of yourself for having a feeling. And it's how you react to the feeling that either causes a storm or they blow over. And being an alcoholic, when I react to something, nobody remembers what the problem was in the first place. That what I reacted to, they have no idea what it was because my reaction is so disproportionate. Sure. And I just fill the fucking cup, ocean into a trash can. Like, yeah, they are like, we got to fucking clean all this shit up. There's seawater everywhere. They don't remember what it was that I reacted to. No, I get it. So that's yeah, but that's,
2: it's also what is what is. I think you're 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 saying this perfect because the character Billy has that conflict. I mean, the, he paints it when he says that he's got the tattoo of love and hate, or love and fear. So he has love on one hand yes. and fear on the other, and that's that's the that's the inner conflict of life. I mean, that is.
3: I don't know if Bruce will ever get enough credit before he won't. Because love and fear instead of love and hate yeah. is the most prescient, salient fucking bullseye. Bull fucking yeah. eye, motherfucker. You can all go suck a fucking bag of wet dicks because <laughs> Bruce just kicked the shit out of all of us. Because every human being on earth is fucking afraid. Yeah. Why do they sabotage shit like, well, I wish I could see it when Because they're fucking afraid that you're going to hurt them because they've been hurt. Your questions have just blown me away. You're really great at this, man. Thank you, buddy. And tougher than the rest, like, it's fear. Fear kicks the shit out of all of us. We all are going to be hurt again, but I got news. Anybody listening, the worst thing that ever happened to you has already happened to you. So you're fearing, you're defending castle walls for, there's nobody in that castle anymore. You're the only one there like, well, uh uh uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. Whatever you're afraid of, whatever your fear is, like ladies are afraid of being hurt. Well, guess what? So am I. Well, not really. Cause it's it's an inevitability. I know it's gonna happen at some point. That's that's the fucking carnival ride that we're on. So the fact that he has love and fear on this character's forearms and his tattoos is fucking game over for me. Yeah. This is when the album uh, to I, me just like the 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 when you cinch a fucking trash bag when it's full, you just pull that fucking thing and tie it. Yeah. That's that's this is it. And then the shit that comes after it, which are the actual best songs on the album. Oh, then you, you get okay. then you get overflowing with. This is an album that I don't even fucking like. I don't even like this fucking album. I like it. I don't like. If you, I like you get it, it I don't now, love
2: it, because it's it was made for I, you well, now. That's what's crazy about this shit, man. Oh, I got sometimes it. you hurt, you hear things, yeah. but you're, now you 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 listen to that's it. That's a great you, point. I was about to I mean? argue with you out of because that was a defense mechanism. Like, <laughs> no,
3: don't let him see that. <laughs> I how but no I I open it gets without.
2: you dude I I I'm telling you I had the when I remember when I heard OK Computer right when I was thinking about dropping out of of college and it was like and, that album spoke to me like it was he like did. oh this is made for me and Beck's Sea Change when I was going through a breakup that was the first time I listened to it really listened and it just fucking leveled me okay so computer this was, yeah
3: man I I really. I'm so happy I'm sitting across from you, man. Perfect. Because, okay, computer, move my molecules, man. It's it's just an album. Let's do it now. Nothing. There's there's this great thing. Nothing. An abandoned warehouse filled with snow. But that's
2: the thing is that you heard it at the time you need to hear it. There's a there's a moment in the John Lennon documentary uh, Imagine where there's this homeless guy that's been sleeping in his uh, in his backyard on one of his castle lands, and the guy says to him, he's like, "What are you?" Do? John's like, "What are you doing here?" And he's like, "Well, you wrote those songs for me." And he's like, what What do you mean? He goes, every one of the songs, it's just like you're speaking right to me. Now, this guy is certifiably probably crazy. That's not
3: the guy that shot him. That's not the guy. No, Isn't that crazy?
2: <laughs> but this guy, but he said, and he had said, listen, it's just like, I'm glad you identify with this. He was like, but I was writing this about Yoko. But I've had that feeling where I'm listening to a song, and I'm like, Gee, this, is, this is me. I mean, and it just it just gets into your soul. So...
3: I've had it with Brilliant Disguise first time I heard yeah Brilliant Disguise does that to me the poem Blue Bird by Bukowski I go this is like he wrote this about me but like but creepy, where I creep myself out. Yeah. Because it's too, and like I don't really share it with anybody. Because you sound like a fucking. What's the frequency, Kenneth? Like <laughs> somebody's gonna shoot a senator. You sound like a crazy person.
1: What's <laughs> The guy that tried to shoot Dan Rather, right?
3: I think so. Yeah.
2: How about Cause, that? Because he went up because he said to him, "What's the frequency, Kenneth?" And then he shot. Yeah. yeah. I think that's what happened.
3: What's the frequency, Kenneth? Talking to Dan Rather. Was it Rather? Yeah, the- but he
2: called him. He whoever the guy's name that he shot at wasn't kenneth he just said kenneth
3: yeah i don't know what he was saying to him it's, it's crazy we're playing we're playing logic to crazy let's get to walk like a man lyrically i love this song okay. if i just read the words i'd be so excited to hear it yeah and that's when um the producers take a runny flu dump in my mouth <laughs> this is runny flu dump atrocious It's it's very it... few things can be called runny flu dump atrocious, atrocious. this is when you just sit on the bowl, it's not like a power like bah, like explodes out of you. It's just that runny like blah, 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 like giblets and gravy. Yeah. Too hot <laughs> for your own ass. Like, yeah. this, is, this is much harder than my insides. <laughs> uh, but it, you I feel agree. the fucking heat coming through your legs onto your like, you know. I agree. I, this I, is I, a fucking abomination. This is, these. if it wasn't who it was, I'd say they all should never have been allowed to produce again. And we wouldn't have had Philadelphia. True. So thank God. But good God, this song is runny, flu dump, atrocious.
2: Sounded so cheesy to me. It's not a bad song. This is Bruce Springsteen's father
3: and son. Andrew McCarthy should be trying on different hats in a montage of a movie in, like, 85.
2: Yes. This is like St. Elmo's Fire. This is very
3: St. Elmo's Fire. This is Bruce
2: experiencing a series of memories from his younger days as he stands at a church altar watching his bride-to-be march up the aisle. Co-producer Chuck Plotkin told Mojo that the track is what... The whole Tunnel of Love album is about. I, I'm gonna I guess, I'm I gonna guess so. this is
3: where they gave the keys to the castle to Chuck Platkin. Yeah, right. And he, this is his like uh right, everybody? Yeah. You no, know, wrong. Pull, pull.
2: I, I I just I get the idea. Like you said, lyrically, this is great. But this is about the relationship with your dad. How how is your relationship with your father?
3: It's good. It's um it took me a long time to realize, and this is an important message I think to anybody listening to accept your parents love you entirely there's no rainy day where they're gonna get you more give you more affection that's them at 110 and 111 because i always thought like what do i gotta do to get this guy to like think i'm cool he thinks i'm pretty fucking cool maybe the coolest because i'm his son his only child his only son yeah i have two sisters and his inability to water and sunlight me in this plant is entirely my problem. If God took my father aside and said, why don't you like J.J. Moore? My dad would say to God, who the fuck are you? Yeah. To the maker. So if you're out there and you have this thing with your parents, like, why, what's her problem? Why? I promise you, there is no hidden drawer in that human being where you're going to get more out of them. and just know that no one is able to have a child... And not love beyond their comprehension of what love is. That's They are consumed with their love for you. They'll never be able to explain it to anybody. They feel it. They live it. You're alive because they kept you alive because you can't care for yourself when you're a baby. But their inability to share it is someone else's problem that fucked them up. And their inability to share it the way you need it shared to you is entirely your problem, and you just have to believe, like your height. You would never argue your height. This is a truth. It, it's a it's a koan. It's a yogi. It's it, they love you all the way. Yeah. So once I made that realization, I stopped dancing for my father. I stopped like so. Uh, how about Rutgers football, right, yeah. you guys? <laughs> like learning the roster and having cool things to say when yeah. I. And then we've, ever since then, it's been great. And then my mom passed like about four months ago. And then, then it becomes like Springsteen asked the relationship. Because when I went back home for a couple of days, I was in Erie, Pennsylvania. And I just drove six hours to just sleep on my dad's couch for two days. And my dad in the morning going like, can I make you an omelet? It was like, whoa. That was him just on his knees crying at my feet. Can I make you an omelet? And hearing that differently, I heard it many times in my life. And I haven't slept that good in years, son. Yeah. He didn't mean years. You know, he meant since I was left by your mom because she died of Alzheimer's. The relief of not having to do that all the time, but also what the fuck am I going to do? I'm going to be out here in eight years anyway. Like the parenthetical of everything he said was so precious where he, he was sort of like my child. Yeah. And I don't, it, it's, it became like this beautiful thing. So we're fantastic. That's great. I'm grateful. That's great. Well, look, this still though. Oh, my father, <laughs> he's a cunt. Sorry. <laughs> I, I thought you said my <laughs> uncle, Jim.
2: <laughs> yeah, I like Jim. On this song, <laughs> Bruce figured out another way to express his dissatisfaction with his marriage while also using it as another vehicle to address the bonds, riffs and identification he had with his father. So two parter. did your dad give you any advice prior to either of your marriages?
3: No, uh, you know when you do stand up at 16 years old, you're you're on a high wire that your father's looking up. Period. He's he can't give you advice how to walk a high wire. So by the time you get married, decades after you first do stand up comedy and do it all the time, and it it's I don't know if he felt. Uh, I don't want to say he didn't feel it's his place because I don't know his mindset before either of my marriages. I, but I do know he was fully confident that I would either do things correctly or figure it out after not doing them correctly. And that in of itself is an enormous act of love.
2: But let me ask you this, since you've become a father, uh, how has that changed your perspective about your dad? Entirely.
3: It it, it became my only perspective. And I, I wish I had a time machine to apply that awareness and those feelings. When you have a child, look. When someone's pregnant, they have a party at the idea of the baby arriving. So before you were born, there was a celebration. The idea of you, they fucking partied. When you were born, your father carried you down the street into the barber shops and and goes, "I got I have a son. I got a kid. Look, it's I a kid. A, it's my kid. I have a, I have a son. Is, is he something else? Yeah. That never changes. Nobody looks at a twelve-year-old and goes, Ugh this fucking guy is not how I thought he'd turn out it's a work in progress all the time but so is he so having a son blew my mind in my book no wonder my parents drank there's a questionnaire at the back for you to give your father and your son and it's astounding it's you know like what age it starts really benign like when should be bedtime like what time should be bedtime is it ever okay to hit a child When are you done being a father? What's the difference between being a father to a boy and a girl? What's the easiest part of being a father to a boy? What's the hardest part? And his answers made me, like, right now I'm almost crying. What it revealed was a guy who loves me more than anything on earth. And felt exactly how I felt about his father. But it was worse for him. So then I realized my father's love for me isn't based on the diorama or the schematic of how his father loved him. It's independent. And it's not, I'll show you, I'm going to be a father in the other direction because that's not how parenting works. It's not like I dated a... A musician now I'm gonna date a fucking accountant I'm gonna go the other way like you can make those choices when it comes to who you date but as far as being everyday in someone's life eventually the tells are gonna give it away and you're gonna stop putting on that show so what I gathered from that was my 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 father's father was cold cold and my father's love and how he was with me was his own creation <sighs> gosh buddy that's that was 2 years ago and i was mortified that i ever told anybody he's like i don't know you know my dad i was mortified at things he never knew i said like he just never knew how to give me enough affection i said that a lot publicly i said that on fucking on the tonight show yeah literally and it was just a hand on the head like oh my god and I just, I, I just next time I saw him, I just told it all to his face, like, and he's so uncomfortable, like mm-hmm. because of his father and the coldness and what I was always like, what's this deal? His reaction to me, I'm like, bro, I just fucking brought you the goddamn dove with the leaf in her mouth, and you're kind of fucking selling me out here. Yeah. The flood's over, don't you get it? But then I realized in real time, <laughs> like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, that's my answer. That's great, that's great, man.
2: All right, let's move on to uh, Tunnel of Love. Perfect, perfect. This is
3: a this is a per, this
2: is an actual perfect song. I, I agree. I, I you, do you, like this song a lot. You, it's not my favorite on the record, but I do like this song. You could not improve it. I like this song a lot, but I feel that this song is is too close to the music of that era. I think that Bruce, it's a great Bruce Springsteen song, but I feel like Bruce was listening to what was popular right then and kind of. You know, just opening it up to that a little bit. Oh, wow, it's it's a little I, bit influenced by I think some of the music. It has a feel, not to say, it, but a take on me kind of feel. You know, just it's it's just it's unlike. Whereas the other songs, I was talking to Morty and he says they're so '80s. I'm like, nah, I didn't think so. I but agree, Tunnel with Morty. Of Love,
3: Really, the other songs to me are in, like it's just like walk like a man. I'm just like, oh my god, yeah. and. With the exception of uh, Ain't Got You, I think it's a pretty 80s. I mean, it is the 80s. You can't fault the guy for doing an album. Like, listen to Tom Petty. Like, the 80s, by the way, is the lost rock and roll decade because people think, like, there was no rock and roll in the 80s. There was an astounding amount of great rock and roll in the 80s. It's fucking insane. Yeah. Like, forget it. Bruce, The Stones, and Zeppelin. I disagree with you entirely. Okay. But I love that you said it. I'm, I'm not going to tell you how you feel is wrong. No, but because you like talking to an atheist. Are, but at the same time,
2: it's like that's, that's what's great about this is that when we, we hear these songs, we all hear them differently. And as soon as I heard this, wow. I was like, wow, this just felt dated to me. This felt like 87.
3: I feel like it could come out right
2: now. Really? Like, absolutely. Tunnel of Love is like we said earlier is a metaphor for the ups and downs in a relationship. This this was inspired like you said by the amusement rides of the boardwalk on of Asbury Park, New Jersey where Springsteen hung out and gigged growing up. The thing about these rides is that they always come to an end. And it's pretty straightforward and detailed in the third verse. Peter play minute 3 second 02.
1: Fall in love tunnel
2: this, to to down, down the this is my shit right here. It ought to be easy, ought to be simple enough. Man meets woman and they fall in love but the house is haunted and the ride gets rough and you've got to learn to live with what you can't rise above. If you want to ride on down in through this tunnel of love, Astounding. that's great. Are you more likely to get off the ride before
3: your partner, or stay until the end? Uh, I'll just act like I'm sleeping on the end of the ride. <laughs> is my honest answer. <laughs> really, I won't get off, but I'll be a very benign
2: passenger. So almost like you want them to end it, like you're you're waiting. Yeah, because for them. then they
3: because they do show up once in a while, and if you, uh, I, you got to keep in mind there's. Over a decade of marriage, so I, my my uh, my sampling thing, and then it's just a like pussyathon, and then a girlfriend, and then a girlfriend. So I get off the ride when I wish I spent more time with you. Like, you, how's your roster of girls? It's like what? How? What fucking planet do I have time for a roster of girls? Yeah, I mean a rotation, sure, but it's a playoff rotation. You only need three. just just get me just get me just get me to pet it and we're out of here (laughs) (laughs) oh and he petted how can you be as good you can't be better and not be in the hall of fame he's not a hall of famer he's not but as far as post he's a postseason hall of famer for sure like oh yeah dude he's insane as that is your whatever so i uh i get off the ride right as they put the bar down over your knees or around your shoulders on the roller coaster when they're like so who's uh, you know, like my assistant or like my producer, of my podcast, Corey? I just like, you know what? I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna. So who's Corey? I'm gonna get off this ride right now, <laughs> cause you think I'm cheating on you and we're not dating yet. Like I just took you to the fucking pier. Yeah. Like who's that? That's how you want to start this whole evening. So, but once we're up and running, I'll ride a rocket into the center of the sun, like fucking Slim Pickens. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Here I go again.
2: Well. Normal relationships and breakups are already some of the worst stressors on people who lead private lives. But Bruce and Julianne also had to deal with public scrutiny. However, there was nothing like what we're dealing with today in social media. So after two marriages and two subsequent divorces in the public eye, what is it like being strapped in on that ride while the world feels like they can chime in?
3: This plays back to the external versus internal validation. Mm -hmm. Public scrutiny only applies if you allow it into your private life to be scrutinized. By you. So, being an author a couple times... Like, I just put out a... I'm putting out a poetry book. You gotta not give a fuck about people's comments on message boards if you're gonna release poems. Yeah, I feel As like you a, you you don't give a shit.
2: Like I feel like you just are have your lane and that's what that the way you drive.
3: It's a wide lane and it's a lot of road and I don't know when it ends, so I'm just going to drive the fuck out of it and if I get a flat tire I'm going to ride in the rims, I'm going to ride in the rims. Have you ever know.
2: though let let the like this the the internet or whatever get inside of you and just I'm and a just comic. I know, but I mean there's of course. like I've I wasted, I can I can look at that we were talking about earlier about like the breakthrough I went through when one of the things I did was I I put down social media because I couldn't just see other people having fun and basically faking stuff. And I just applied it to me of why I'm not now I can look at it. And I mean, I'm not on the same level as you in the public eye, but I can look at stuff and just be like, that's all, that's all bullshit. I see it now. You know,
3: I have gone mad on the internet. I have fucking, and all the amount of time I've responded to people, which I haven't in, a couple years. And if I do, it's because I'm taking a dump. Like, why did a tattoo it? It says, my wife on your wrist. I just write, because I was married. But then I'm not on social media as much because there's no reason to be on it. There's yeah. actually zero reason. There's no purpose to it for you. The purpose you think it has for you is being completely oversold to you. If you tweet and Instagram and Snapcock and chat and chalk and all that shit relentlessly and it's a 1,000-seat theater, 11 people because of your fucking public shit. Like maybe, maybe on a weekend, maybe 16 people out of five shows are like, oh, he tweeted it. I didn't know he was going to be here in my town on the radio and on the poster at the club and the email the club sends me for fucking free tickets for the bullshit acts before he got here, reminding me he was going to be here. Like all of a sudden my fucking tweet at 1 a.m. because the girl I was banging went to go take a shower. <laughs> like, all right, let me send out a tweet. By the way, uh, Rochester coming at you like, Ooh, we still do it. Cause it's kind of expected <laughs> yeah. of us. But yeah, I went through a very, I guess it was a very public divorce, but it wasn't. But then it was after the fact when all the public shit was released. It was a very bizarre. And I went back to AA March 14th, two years ago. I didn't drink, though. I was just insane. I was actually. You were dry drunk and just. Oh, yeah. the resentment and the absolutely dry drunk. I was a fucking mad person. And after I went back to AA March 14th, I was down in uh, like Huntington Beach or something. It was some weird random meeting on a Wednesday. And the guy was the lead singer of a. Uh, a very famous punk band that we all know, maybe named after an assassinated president who isn't Lincoln. And I went up to say to hi to him after the meeting. And as I approached him, he goes, I can help you. That's how he greeted me from like 10 feet, not 10 feet, six feet. because it was like a little bit of a line because people were kind of swinging from his dick. Anyway. Sure, of course. He just goes, I can help you. Like with a smile, like, I know why you're really coming up to say hi to me because you fucking need help. <laughs> And he told me to call him at 7 a.m. the next morning. I was like, got it. But first read, you know, up to page, I'm making up these numbers, but read up to page 8 in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and uh, just highlight what you think you should be highlighting, but then you have to read it again. I did exactly what he said. And people go, ooh, no, it was 6 a.m. And people go, 6 a.m. I go, let me tell you something. If that guy had Vicodin and lived in the Inland Empire, I'd fucking walk. Yeah, dude. I'll just stay up. Fuck it. (laughs) Yeah. He's got it. He's a dentist. He's going to be there. He's going to open. Yeah. So, and then when I called him the next morning, having completed the tasks, we agreed to meet somewhere else. And I felt like I was up and running because I just need to work a pro. I just needed to just pour, get, I just needed to get well, period. And it's a 100% success rate if you do it. Period. Like if you do it and commit to it, it's never. It has never
2: failed. Uh, I a a any any twelve step program man is, is good for some. I think everybody should be in one.
3: And we're not. Yeah, yeah I'm, not, I'm not selling a twelve step program. Whatever works for you, great. Um, that drive after I got off the phone with them, I hung up the phone and I went into town to go. To, I live in Malibu. I went to go to work, and then my phone went crazy. Yeah. Dentally ill, there's a drug situation, the child's in danger. This was almost a year after I had filed for divorce in a public courthouse where it's public record. And it wasn't until I agreed to do what this guy told me to do and I, in my core, committed to unconditional surrender to this. I'm doing this. Whatever this fucking guy... If this guy tells me I need a Sherpa guide because I'm going to Mount Baldy in a goddamn bathing sp- I'm... Yes. You'd be loading up on Yeti coats. I'm over yes I can't do this anymore. My life is unmanageable. And it was March 15th. I filed for divorce, Josh, in December. So, the fact that... I said a year. That was incorrect. So, January... You know, that was three months after the fact. That's when apropos of nothing on a fucking thursday on march 15th that's when it was like ding 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 my phone's going crazy like mental illness drugs and fucking kids kids in danger and like abuse like what the fuck that's that's insane that's the public eye but also it was after the fact so like there was some divinity in there protecting me because it happened in december i'd probably be in jail right now i would have went crazy and killed somebody so I not remember what the question was, i talk a lot. It was great. Don't worry. All right,
2: quick fact about this. The song features a guitar solo by Nils Lofgren. The musician was passing through New Jersey when he called Springsteen to say hi and check in. Bruce said that, told his pal, he had a track underway and suggested he came by and take a poke at it. So this is a very lighthearted question. What was a career success that was just perfect timing?
3: All of them. I mean, all of them. Whether you know it or not, but as far as like the confluence of events, and you just it's show business and success. I don't want to give like a, a you know, this the secret to life is showing up, but it is in the cartoon where like Bugs Bunny or somebody's not they're reading a book, but they're walking through a construction site and they're about to walk off of a building and then a beam's being raised up. They step yeah. onto the beam and they keep walking and it drops them off. at something going down and they, they're gonna fall into a hole, they get scooped up by like a bird. Like, that's, like, it's Tunnel of Love, I'm realizing, as I say it yeah. all. That's what show business is, because then you're just sitting at home one day, and you get an email from one of the writers of Action that goes. Such a good show, by the way. Thank you. Ron Zimmerman just emails me and goes, hey, uh, you know, there's this show over at such and such productions. We want to do it. It's, it. They want you to do it. And you're going, like, this is the most, it's, it's a reality show we're working on called what's your problem where people say, I got a problem. My fucking father won't let me do this. And, the, and then I go to their house and I like fix their problem. Yeah. So like the weirdest shit happens. It's kind of like spirituality and enlightenment. It happens only when we're still, that's when the phone rings when we're just manic and running all over the I fucking can't place. More. I couldn't agree with you more. All we're doing is going, why isn't the phone ringing? But then just like any kind of spiritual awakening, it's when you're just settled in the most random spot, where just wow, you get that sniper shot between that fucking third eye in the middle. You just the one the constant I've learned is success, and I don't mean show business success. I don't mean financial. I mean success of life and living it and the the richness of it all really like when you re-up a video game like like free guy bang bonus free guy it happens when we're just still and you can't really plan to be still because we get nuts
2: I can't agree with you more I mean all the success I've had in the last year and a half is is directly just from being okay like I know I'm okay and I'm just and it's just I don't freak out, and it's like, also, I'm enjoying just the regular day-to-day stuff, so when somebody's like, oh, yeah, you booked this, I'm like, oh, that's great, but it doesn't make it better than what I was doing before that, because what I was doing before was awesome. You know what I mean? It's just everything. Yeah. I, it's just it's just all perspective. As somebody said it's like you if you love your work, every day is Christmas. You the know timing's what
3: I mean? perfect, like Saturday Night Live timing. All right, here's the most timing, conducive, like, what the hell just happened. My manager had a comedy club in the village. Barry Katz had a comedy club on West 3rd Street. Jay,
2: I'd like for you to come
3: to perform at the comedy club. Jay, it's Barry. Are you sitting down? (laughs) Hey, Josh. (laughs) Hey, Barry. Hey, man. I was just talking to the people at Paramount. They want you to star in the uh, story of your life. They're going to give you $16 million up front today. All I need is to say that you're totally into it. You have complete financial freedom and you have all creative control. Is this something that interests you? Oh, man, that sounds great. Okay, they want you to change your last name to Sputnik. <laughs> okay, Are you mean, all right with that? I mean, no, not at all. All right, I'll tell them.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I closed my eyes while you were doing that. I thought he was sitting
3: here. Um, Josh, no- I have a gig for you. It pays $1,000 a minute. It's on the Great Wall of China. <laughs> the Chinese government, after every comedian they've ever seen. They chose Josh Adam Myers. <laughs> I like when he gets excited. My manager, Barry, is kind of an iconic human being and a very deep, deep rooted father figure for me. Profoundly love him. He, like when he gets excited, he goes, They want to do out of all the comics. <laughs> Josh, I'm like, Josh, I mean, no- uh, his giant fucking hands, his big chew fucking He's t- got banana fingers. Big chew teeth and juicy Andy Pettit lips. But he, when he put his fucking hand out, he goes, well, I mean, no disrespect, you're a great comic, but they could have had fucking George Carlin when he was alive. They, 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 they could have had like Bill Burr. I'm like, Josh, Adam Myers, all right, so they want you to do comedy on the Great Wall of China and it's going to be broadcast by every country on Earth mean, there's something that interview. you. Uh, one well, were, thing about were, this gig, though, can you, f- have, uh, you know how to fly a Learjet?
2: <laughs> what you were saying about the, you were, you hit him, he hit you up to perform at the comedy club or he owned the comedy Sorry. club. I, that. That was I great. I, no, I no, no, no. Anytime you break in and want to break into impersonation, I fucking <laughs> love it, dude. Of
3: course you do. It's All you know is how to love me. I'm the Antichrist. Um, so they had Saturday Night Live auditions at the comedy club. It was summertime. I'm not sure of the month. It was on the second floor. There was no air conditioning that night. The air conditioning was out. So Marcy Klein, the producer, Ryan Shiraki, Michael Shoemaker, and others were in this fucking ski lodge, second floor sweatshop, literally. I went on third. They left after I got off stage. There were 14 comics doing 10 minutes each. And they fucking left after number three. They didn't get to the cleanup hitter. Maybe they left after the cleanup hitter. So after the third guy fucking wraps one out, the fourth guy comes up. They're just kind of stirring around like, well, fucking, we can't. It was so hot. Yeah. They, they couldn't take 22 minutes of comedy. It was like eight minutes each, maybe, you know, and uh, they left. And so you was, saw them leaving. No, when I get off stage, I am home. By the time somebody texts me, are you still here? I'm in my house. You're already home, yeah. And people go, why? I had a girl say this to me the other night, like, do you always leave like that? I go, when a guy paints your house, does he hang around the yard when he's done? <laughs> like what are you doing? Yeah, I know. Like, there's no job on earth you just hang out when you're not stick around if there's a couple buddies. There, well, there's a but, bar. Yeah, there's a bar. There's but some I friends, don't drink. but I and get. I, yeah, I always have you. more than one chick. I'm like fucking Instagram. Enough. <laughs> there's always like I just got to get the fuck out of there, and then I recalculate, regroup. Yeah, and then I go get it. <laughs> <laughs> Which one's got the push?
2: <laughs> All right, so you, so you, so they leave. So that's between, timing. Yeah. Like
3: they, literally, comics four through whatever. I had no idea there was no one there to watch them. What's Barry going to do? Like, just so you know, the people left. There's no reason to have a show anymore. Yeah. So I was the guy that they saw. And I was the guy that got Saturday Night Live. No one else was even seen with the eyes. So that's impeccable timing. That
2: is impeccable timing. Brilliant Disguise is the next song on the record. Both of us have said
3: it's one of our favorite tracks on the record. So this song to me is... Yeah, drop it. The absolute most perfect song about... How I feel, and I am the guest on your podcast, so I'm just going to, I'm all right saying that, about when I fell in love with anybody I've ever fallen in love with, but then through, when before the divorce, not being divorced and having been divorced, what people don't realize is the pain is that year, two years, three years, where you know it's happening. And you just kind of ignore that fucking engine light and you ignore it and you yeah. ignore it. And that's why that last line kills me. God have mercy on the man who doubts what he's sure of. I don't think he is capitalized, so he's referring to the guy who's doubting himself. Yeah. And like he just throws out these Easter eggs, like so something tucked in shame underneath your pillow. I'm like, that's an incredible way to put fear. Like that's we're talking about fear from the other song. Like, she's afraid. There's there's so much hidden fear tonight our bed is cold lost in the darkness of our love like oh my god this is a fucking this guy was right next i feel like he's right next to the person and he's entirely adrift and alone and that's how i felt about tougher than the rest that's how i felt about all the other songs too and that's how you feel sometimes in a relationship and that's what's so confounding about it that you can be inside somebody Like your DNA is swimming through them. You've just fucked your way through the looking glass where there's no two of you anymore. It's Jay and Josh and whatever. name. Like that's just that's who you guys are. It's one entity. And you're just you're on an island when you're with that person. Yeah. And it's not it. It wasn't like that when you fell in love. It wasn't like that when you were dating and infatuated and going home and telling your friends like, wow, she's so hot. It wasn't like that when you said, I do. It wasn't like the first year of marriage. And you don't know what... I don't know when it starts. I can't tell you when that started to go. How did... Can I, I can ask you this. How how
2: did Julianne not fucking hear this? Because he's coming home. He's making it in the goddamn house. And he's making this song. He's like, yeah, hey, honey, I want you to check out this new one. And it's... I mean, this is is like... Literally just saying like I don't know who you are anymore. I don't know who I am anymore. Well
3: that's that's the reason why yeah. it's because he did it over in a goddamn sound stage or in his recording studio instead of saying the actual words to her face, yeah, probably.
2: I know that is just so heavy.
3: Because that's how he that's his language.
2: Hey there, I am Johnny Christ from Avenge Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny, you're gonna want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life. this is this, this is, is his language this is honest to God I mean it's out of all the songs on the record this this definitely to me lyrically just just takes me I want to play it's, the,
3: it's it's staggering
2: it's just staggering I want to play the bridge and we're gonna listen to it real quick because I want you to hear he is the king of bridges Peter play the bridge at minute one second 58 now,
3: know if it's you i don't trust because i damn sure i don't trust myself that is i just got goosebumps because a that could make me cry every time i hear it yeah that exact moment lyrically and vocally that's tough that's perfect singing just he's
2: hitting that note it's just like like, yeah it's just
3: and the way he goes when he goes now look at me baby and you're like wow and then he actually goes and duh. Struggling
2: to do everything right Just a lonely pilgrim. I walk this world in wealth I want This. I just love this I want to know If it's you I don't trust Because I damn sure Don't trust myself
3: I mean I didn't know the lyrics until I mean I knew the lyrics But I didn't know that it was I walked this world in wealth Until like three years ago And I went Oh wow It's even more sad It's, it's, It's Ain't got you Again Thematically It's always the same Fucking theme but I ain't got you. I walk this world. I got the, I got the diamonds. I yeah. don't. I walk this world in wealth. I know if it's you I don't trust because I like. But I don't have you. Yeah. It's the It's fucking mind boggling. And this is the
2: album I don't love. <laughs> Let me ask you: Are you a naturally trusting or skeptical person?
3: I'm naturally trusting because it plays into like the whole everything else like i fall in love i'm vulnerable and when i say i'm vulnerable when you said it back to me i'm glad it just came up again because it's not a choice it's not like i'm gonna play this one wide open it's just who we are as as like as comics performers you're either artists a guarded human like we hurt more than other people hurt because we're in that deeper water when people that we that hurt us they're in the shallow end they don't ever hurt like you and i do we go down a fucking elevator shaft but they don't ever feel love like you and i feel it like they during like what we're doing now this is love like this we're talking about this shit like it's a love so if you're out there and you're getting fucking hurt just it's all right just know that you're gonna love this too yeah when you played that bridge for the first time i don't know why this never hit me it's roy Orbison. It's a complete, oh, yeah. straight up. Yeah, I he hear that. He sounds like him, and the guitar only in the bridge is flamenco. It's like a weird,
2: like calypsoy. I mean, you could see that he's so influenced by Roy. I mean, oh, no, he's wearing I, the goddamn I've, bolo tie. Oh, in the I knew that, thing. of
3: course. But I'm saying it. You could actually, I could hear that being a Roy Orbison song, and lyrically he kind of tapped into, and like nobody can go near. You want to talk about something so oh, underrated? You can't even...
2: I've never listened to him like that. I only know Pretty Woman and a few of the tracks he did with Traveling Wilburys. Listen Warbearers. to
3: Leah. His voice has a... Just Leah. His voice has a fucking wah-wah pedal on it. It's You won't even know what the hell's happening. You're like, wait. It's spooky. It's beautiful. It's a guy that swims in the ocean to get pearls for Leah, but he dreams that he's drowning. So he's got to let go of that fucking oyster, but make sure she gets the pearl. Yeah. But it's a dream, but it's not... It's it's like... It, you th- I lived on an airplane once. I kept rewinding it. And I was like, because I thought it changed time. But it doesn't. It's just all over. It's just, banana anyway. But this is like, I don't know. There's, I don't know what could be said about, like, when you point out the synth marathon at the end of Tunnels of Love, I'm like, oh yeah, it does. okay, it can be improved. So I was wrong. This can't be improved. I don't think so either.
2: Basically, he's talking about beautiful disguises that you have uh, with yourself and your lover. But while on SNL for two seasons, you really got to showcase your brilliant gift for impressions to a huge audience. When did you first realize that that you had that talent and what were some of your early ones?
3: I would always do like like the Sesame Street people, but when I was trying to explain it to somebody what I had seen. So it wasn't like a performance as much as You know when he goes, uh, Sesame Street News, here I am at the uh, house of the three little pigs. Mm -hmm. Um, So like in hindsight, I've always done it. There wasn't like a starting point. And it started mostly imitating what I had seen. Like when I was eight, I saw Stripes in a theater because my parents could get a sitter. Entirely inappropriate. So I remember coming home and telling my buddies the next day, next subsequent days about what happened in the movie. And in hindsight, looking back at it, I can see that I was imitating Harold Ramis and Bill Murray and John Candy, Dewey Oxberger, and the, yeah. You know, my friend's called me the cruiser. I <laughs> should have called him the dork. <laughs> I was like literally just sliding in and out of these weird roles. Andrew McCarthy was like my first on the record as a stand-up comic at 16 years old. I'm, and it's a visual, so it doesn't make... I'm just going like, I love her, man, because he had those big weird eyes and I looked enough <laughs> like him. I could pull it off. And it like freaked people out. And yeah. I remember going... Oh, there's a world here of opportunity, because it like, and I and nobody does Andrew McCarthy. That was perfect. Like, I wish does, you guys could have seen his eyes. It like, was. I'll do perfect. Forrest Whitaker, like Tracy. Obviously, Pacino. Walking is what I'm known for, I guess. Is walking, and uh, I did an Arsenio Hall, and that's also when I learned that on stage I have the ability to act, and manipulate my own future. So somebody from, if there's producers in the audience, you can either do stand up. Or you could do impressions, but in those impressions, find the performance. Because I would do Arsenio Hall interviewing Lyle Alzado when he cried, Lyle Alzado like before he was riddled with cancer because of steroids. Yeah, and like so, I would make myself cry on stage as Lyle Alzado, and then the the disconnect of Arsenio like I just knew I was never going to live to see the work that the like I would actually be <laughs> I would actually be crying, and then before I switched over back to Arsenio, that 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 quick flip back into the other person. That audience was fucking silent. You could hear a mouse pissing on cotton like I had them. That's when I realized power is not beating them over the head. It's quiet. It's quiet. Because that are you like, I do, I do, and I'm going to die. <laughs> yeah. I heard you play football or something, and there was something going on with the players. What's that about? <laughs> it was just fucking insane. But then I also realized, formulaically the compression of time i was letting them off the hook for being that quiet and uncomfortable because i'm a, like i was crying i wasn't comedy crying i was you that were guy. there dude you were yes. fucking you were there so then there's arsenio like his disc like de niro was on arsenio and it's like you know he doesn't really say much, De Niro. Like, right, yeah. was mm. like, I heard you did a movie or something, and something, like, happened. I'm like, what? Like, you did... Yeah, Bobby De Niro is in the house. <laughs> so then I started doing Teshi and De Niro as Batman and Robin on our set. It just became fucking... Altamont Like insane <laughs> Like who's gonna stay Who's gonna beat the drummer From Starship Over the head With a pool cue
2: Everybody be
3: cool That cat right there man. <laughs> Fucking Keith proves He's the fucking Baddest motherfucker On earth Stops the show That points at a Hells yeah, Angel dude. That cat right there man Do it. <laughs> Cool it Cool it That's like Fuck you how badass is that? It's so great, so Keep... like I like I did actually De Niro and Pesci from Raging Bull as Batman and Robin as guests. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if they're like, I heard you had like a fight or something coming up. <laughs> Gennaro, he's like up and coming he's good look he's, he's not gonna make the weight stop beating your fat bat You're like a fucking nut your belly's hanging over the fucking bat pole look at you you fucking fat prick you'd be fucking fucking fat girl <laughs> yeah no your name was like robin or something like it was just fucking crazy. yeah that was my snl audition but all of it on the fly like i didn't go and then i'm gonna have these two saying this over there it's like
2: did you know did you know the second you 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 said thank you that's my time for that audition did you have that did you know
3: No I mean I, yes I knew that inside. it was impossible Yes I knew that but uh, yes and I knew it was impossible that I could possibly get this job That to me was like why the buddha smiling why the Jews are waiting while Mary weeps in the garden It's impossible you are it's fucking absolutely impossible there's 330 million americans yeah you factor in the canadians that brings to 336 whatever <laughs> and the rest of the world it's like eight up there, and right? you're going to do 10 you can do eight minutes or maybe 10 minutes and you're going to be the guy the one new person like how many new people a year sometimes none it's actually impossible josh my parents great-grandparents great-grandparents have to meet on another continent and fuck and have the baby not die of the elements or Genghis Khan or Hitler. Like, that's that's the level of, like, it's impossible that you and I are even here. Yeah. So my confidence was, and carefree, was an arrogance. And it's been mistaken for arrogance a lot in my life. It's, no, this is all a fucking game. It's a ride. Like, Bill Hicks, it's just a ride. It's just a ride. Like, tunnel of love. It's just a ride. And this ain't the end of the ride if you don't get this fucking thing. It's impossible. It's comical. So that's what I was certain of. So on the street afterwards, the second audition at Stand Up New York, Marcy Klein, I was in sweatpants, an East Stroudsburg wrestling camp of champs t-shirt. You're (laughs) comfy. Yeah, because I just come from the gym. I took the subway from the gym. I'm not going to get it. It's impossible. Sure, I'll go do this fucking gag.
2: Oh wow!
3: And everyone's in like their comedy shirts, their fucking hair. Yeah, dude, because this is the biggest thing in the world. But but but, but you just but all y- look alike.
2: I know. No, like, I, I, this is I, who listen, I am. I, I am.
3: I this love is this. Who I am. I'm the guy that goes to the gym on Houston and uh and Ble- whatever the fuck uh, where Jellica Theater is. There's a gym upstairs. And then I'm gonna take the subway because I'm going to do what I do every night of my life, the exact way I do it every day, and I don't have any pockets. So I took the subway because I can't afford a fucking cab because I'm bored with sweatpants without pockets. So i turn Hopper Turnstile, <laughs> never paid a tolls. And yeah, so I just did it. I had like three Amstel lights waiting to go on and a little buzz. I went up. I just stared where I thought they were in the back of the audience because I wanted them to know I wasn't afraid of them. So after every like end of a bit I would just look to the back left corner because that's where I was told they were and as I got off stage and I left the showroom they were in the back right hand corner so that means after every bit I'm staring at some fucking realtor from Long Island Jesus. and his gumad. he's like whoa does he see me here did J. Moore really <laughs> likes you he keeps staring at your face you've very <laughs> had some Leon the guy's like, what's this fucking problem? Bra- I'm getting uncomfortable in my pants. <laughs> what's he doing? He keeps looking at me. Yeah. Do I get a problem with this guy? Do and I know this guy? Marcy Klein ran out. She's like, where are you going? I met this woman for a second at the other club. Yeah. It's like, where are, you, where are you going? Like, what are you doing? Where are you going? I'm like, I'm going home. She goes, like, you can't. Lauren wants to meet you. But it, all set up, like, very prescient about how SNL would actually be all the time. Like, I'm disappointing this person I don't know. Like, where are you, what are you doing? Where are you going? Like, <laughs> I got off stage. I'm going, going home. home. Like, you can't. Like, well, like Lauren wants to meet you. Stay. Don't move. I'm like, okay. This is big-ass white limo. In front of, white limo. What, are you going <laughs> to Florida State? Jesus. <laughs> right? She, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> or she was going, why? Like, why? She had my back, right? Why are you leaving? That's so, what she
2: would have finished with.
3: <laughs> nice. So then Lauren comes out. Again, he's, there's not seeing anybody after me, so apparently they were just seeing me, and either nobody was hip to that, or they kept it from me so I didn't, like, bug out, but I don't think, I think it's the first one. They just weren't aware, because there's no way there's two different auditions with 12, 15 people, and they leave right after I go on stage both times, when well more than half the show is still going. The other, well they knew
2: Obviously they knew They knew what they do about it. I didn't realize you, that Until this moment Ah like, uh, yeah yeah at yeah This moment yeah. And if that you words. would have Then you might not have Performed as as fucking well You might have been like me And you know a long time ago And self-sabotaged
3: Yeah you well you think I about I mean? like We're going to see Make sure he knows We're coming to see him And I show up With fucking sweatpants I'm like Oh god I 6 a.m. Still <laughs> I'm belching Sorry I'm belching into the mic Like I didn't give a fuck So I met Lauren And he's like It was really great to be hearing from us soon Okay And then the next day, I had a gig at Catawba College, and I got the phone. call. I was, You know Anthony Clark? Great comic. Oh, yeah, man. My mom's on crack or whatever it was. Oh, my God. I don't don't fucking believe it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to have a game show called I Don't Fucking Believe It. (laughs) It says you are not retarded. Is that true, sweetheart? Well, step up to the locking wheel because I don't fucking believe it. (laughs) (laughs) So he's cleaning up the pool at a Motel 6 in Catawba, North Carolina, and I go, I'm going to go take a nap. I go to lay down. My phone rings in a Motel 6 who died. Because nobody knows I'm here, it's impossible to track me. Down. I'm in a Motel Six.
2: I just realized it, even the cell phones didn't exist the second you said that. I didn't even put that in consideration. Oh, that would be it's like
3: 1991. Holy and shit! And I go, "Hello, it's my agent Ruth Ann Secunda and Barry Katz. Are you sitting down? I'm laying down. Is it my mom or my dad?" Is what I said, and he goes, and Ruth Ann goes, "No, you got it." So I think she means like both. No, you got it, <laughs> and he goes, "You got SNL, man," and it was. As if I had the news that both my parents died as far as severity, weight, and gravity. And uh, it's not like a, fuck yeah, for me. It was, holy shit. I'm never not going to be governor of South Carolina. Yeah, wow. You're governor in the 70s. They introduce you, they go, "Do you know, governor, uh, you know, that's who you are. I've done 26 Tonight shows, my intro every time. Former cast member Saturday, no matter what, Jerry Maguire, and, always SNL. Especially to Jay, Lano, I was never a cast member. I was a featured performer. But hey, hey, I was lieutenant governor. Oh, it's it changes lives. <laughs> I just man. knew I, mean, I knew it was entirely. No matter what had happened, I had been stamped as legitimate. And um, I go down back down to the pool, and Anthony Clark is real tall and skinny, goofy, like just. wow Wow. he's yes dear, was his show with michael i remember that yeah and he's still skimming the pool and the sun's behind me and i go hey tony and he looks up i go i just got snl and he squints and he goes well there goes that nap (laughs) (laughs) that was his that's two comics on the road and back to skimming back to skimming well there goes that nap that's great that's
2: fucking great Alright, one step up guys This is about the end of a marriage A.K.A. as he calls it Their dirty little war Peter, play two minutes in 19 seconds
1: There's a girl across the bar Get the message she sending. Mm, she ain't looking to marry Me, on I'm pretending Last night I dreamed I held We danced as an it
0: One step above, two
2: steps above. More heavy shit from this song. There's a girl across the bar. I get the message she's sending. Mm, she ain't looking too married. And me? Well, honey, I'm pretending. While lyrically heavy, musically, it's very subdued. Uh, until much of the Tunnel of Love album, One Step Up, was not recorded in Springsteen's home studio. He recorded this in Los Angeles. He played all the instruments and now here's the kicker, Jay. Patty Scalfa sang backup on this song, right? So you know that she's probably comforting him and talking, you know what I mean? She's just setting up those
3: bricks. She's just Is there anything Bruce could do
2: to ruin his image? I
3: don't who I don't know if there's anything anyone can do to ruin their image. Michael Jackson's like an absolute, you know, a de facto child molester it's like Oh yeah Like what? I don't know I don't I don't really I think again Like it's just a ride And it's just a game It's just a ride It's a tunnel of love I don't Look at the president Like what do you Have to do to ruin your image? Yeah He's grabbed by the pussy They love it He's like What? 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 <laughs> grab My sister by the pussy? That was it? My mother? Like what the fuck Are we talking about here? Yeah it's a different, you know, I don't I don't think so.
2: When you're alone. Now, I also wrote not my favorite song, but a good it. song. Eh. Play 53 seconds in, Peter.
1: When I was young and pretty on the main streets of the city. And I fought
2: This is his last ditch effort to appeal to her to stay by threatening her with loneliness in his absence and how he might not be there when she comes crawling back yet he's still trying to play the good guy by offering advice based on his experience as if what is happening isn't his fault.
3: Josh, this wow. is also called dating a narcissist. Yeah, right. <laughs> this is Bruce being an expert and ahead of his time because narcissist continuum didn't really exist as an identifiable thing that we all deal with from time to time. Yeah. This is the most gaslighting fucking thing ever. Yeah. He's gaslighting the shit out of his lady. You're gonna be lonely. By the way, he's writing this as he's fucking Patty Scalfa. Yeah. <laughs> he's bat- allegedly, I don't give a shit. do no, you come after yeah, me? Something I, I had to take, be happening. I could take Bruce and his minions. But the, but it's still it's
2: still less I'm sorry and more right. get over it. Yeah. Right, no, that's a narcissist thing. Like That's very narcissistic. You go through a
3: narcissist phone and you go, hey, there's a picture of a girl blowing you. There's like three chicks, three different photos Are you fucking girl. You went through my phone? Yeah, you're cheating on me. I saw pictures of you and another girl. No, 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 hold on. You went through my phone. Yeah. And then until the person's like, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to go through your phone. Like, that's what this shit is. Like, this is amazing. Yeah. Like, that's why this song, it's not my favorite song. And I wish the lyrics were, had a different production. And then and, you
2: think you would appreciate it a little bit more. Because the lyrics are good. I mean. It's amazing. He's, now he's, I was young and pretty on the mean streets of the city. And I fought to make them my home. With just the shirt on my back, I left and swore I'd never look back. And man, I was gone, gone, gone. I mean, its he's still painting a great story. Valentine's Day. Great song to end the album. This song sounds like after all the shit that he's been through in the first 11 tracks on it, it feels like he's trying to make the marriage work. I mean, the final line says it all. So hold me close, honey. Say you're forever mine and tell me you'll be my lonely valentine
3: and that is bruce doing what bruce does after all the songs we just spoke about the album ends with come here it's redemption it's, it's like the honeymooners baby you're the greatest trying
2: to get his last shot uh, at redemption and reconciliation yeah
3: it's like get away get away i gotta get away i gotta get away i gotta get away she's gonna get away come here yeah but let me ask you. <laughs> it's my oversimplification of this. Fight. But it he was guy, great. Though. A year was of this guy's a, that, life, he this, put into. But pile. It, that
2: was still that was still the perfect way to say it. So he's he's basically trying to get this last shot of redemption to bring this girl back and make up for the mistakes that he made. So if you could take anything back from your past relationships and find some redemption, what would it be?
3: No, I wouldn't. I can't. I wouldn't. I mean, that's, I hate when I read that in like, in interviews, like I wouldn't change a thing. Well, I can't change a thing. And that's what you're asking me if I could. Yeah. So that's the the minefield is even being able to turn my brain that way. And then when I look back, it's like, what would I change? I I mean, when I was married to my first wife, it was like, this is, I can't believe this is fucking happening. I don't want this, like, thank God that shit happened. I wouldn't have met Nick. I wouldn't have Meredith, I wouldn't have my boy. So what I would change specifically about anything, like relationship-wise. I can't even, I don't know, I, nothing, I can't. Because I couldn't even change, I wouldn't even want to change the way the marriage ended because I want to be married and have a lot of kids and die with this one person for the rest of my life. But the, I can't, to say that out loud now is a desire to change, if I could, this is what I would do that no that's like that's a worst case scenario because i don't know if my awareness of what actually happened would change with it so i'd be in this idyllic life going you know i just came from another reality and you just fucked shit up for everybody you asshole lady yeah <laughs> so i don't think i would i wish i had a better i just want to use condoms ever <laughs> like any girlfriend I ever had, and i would have just made the move on every chick i didn't make a move with that's what I, i'm not even joking Alex I, Baldwin said that to me once when he was getting married to Kim Basinger. He goes, "If I could do it all over again, I would have just had sex with every single girl my brothers brought home because I could have. <laughs> First cousins? <laughs> who cares? Fuck it, <laughs> fuck it. Because once you're married, it's it. I'm That's like, so it's a good great.
2: point. It's so great. But th- but that was a perfect answer because it it's, it shows that you've 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 like forgiven yourself for anything that you might have done and they might have done. And it's just it's a good place to be. Well, I'm not so because, sure about how
3: much I've forgiven them, but you know they say you got to forgive and forget. Yeah and they go like I forgive but I never forget I forget I'm not sure I'm about the forgiving part I don't know I think when people go like I've forgiven you it's a really like gross thing to tell like you're that magnanimous you waved your magic arm I've forgiven you well gee thanks because I wasn't even thinking about how you should or like it's, to me that's like when people say I'll pray for you it's like okay it's kind of you didn't, there's no reason you need to say that to me if you've forgiven me there's no reason to audibilize it yeah I don't know why it's like saying I'm humble. No, you're not, because I just heard it. Or saying I'm a white guy saying I'm down. As soon as it's out loud, it's bye. <laughs> no, you're not down at all. I've forgiven you, like no, you haven't, because I just heard you forgive that person. Yeah. The fact that you needed a show to do it. You know what I mean? Like when you film somebody going to the jail to forgive the guy that murdered the kid. I'm like, something's hinky here, man. Because that's some shit in your heart. That ain't some shit you need to get across. I mean. Well murder a different thing Trust me If anybody knows about murder It's me you know <laughs> Alright Lecca. What do you think You want to go back Like a high Make a, a walkie ho How about this I feel like Springsteen Actually confined And constricted You and I Like that's the deep fucking channel you're swimming in yeah. i see you dude like i i can't wait to just talk to you about anything again and i'm uh, i got you like for life like thank you
2: brother dude this was great i appreciate you taking the time out to sit down and talk to me about this record man because it's your love of bruce is palpable and
3: uh that's how it, i love everything okay you're asking me about relationships yeah what you perceive as my love of bruce is my love of everything
2: yeah that's this is how you are it's you, just the way the love hard, dude
3: yeah, I love all. Well, I I love softly too. I just love all the way. Yeah, I color in the whole fucking painting. Most people like put a jigsaw puzzle together with the edges first. I just fucking in midair just just fucking <laughs> slam that shit down to the ground like that's what we got. Let's start fucking.
2: Yeah, well, this is great, brother. I appreciate yeah, you taking anytime, the time anytime,
3: any place. I'd love to talk to you more about anything, dude. And any shows you want to do? Like any like like just yes, my answer.
2: Let's hang, dude. All, all right. right. Is it you, baby, or just a real this guy? For all things Jay Moore, go to his website, Jmore.com. It's Moore 37 on all social media. And make sure you guys check out his podcast, More Stories, any platform that you guys get podcasts. I'll be posting his mixtape track listing link on the website. And for all things 500, go to the website, the500podcast.com. Email the podcast at 500podcast at gmail.com. And follow me on all social media at Josh Adam Myers. This weekend, guys, I'm in New York. From June 21st to the 23rd, I'll be at Skankfest. Fest. Be there. It's one of the best comedy festivals in the world. And all tickets are on my website at joshadammyers.com. Subscribe to the 500 Fleece Army. Any platform, I don't give a shit. But if you're on Apple, rate, review, give it a five star, and just say, fuck the 500. Follow my writer Morty at DJ Morty Coil and check out his Instagram page where him and his daughter sing a bunch of songs at B and Daddy Cartoons. Now, we just listened to Bruce Springsteen from 1987. So here is an artist that is directly influenced by this album. Here is Gaslight Anthem with their song, National Anthem. I never will forget you, my American love. And if you're in a band and were directly influenced by one of these albums and artists and you want your music featured on the 500, send your song to 500 podcast at gmail.com and make sure you put the album and the artist that influenced you in the subject line. Next week is Coldplay Week with their 2001 masterpiece, A Rush of Blood to the Head. So y'all got some homework to do. Stay fleecy, y'all.
0: I already live with too many ghosts Now everybody lately is living up in space Flying through transmissions on invisible airways With everything discovered just waiting to be known What's left for God to teach from His throne And who will forgive us when He's gone So take what you need now, honey, and do what you like Don't worry about me, mama, I'm all right And I can't stand the weather, no, I never liked the rain We drink on the job and then we go home early. And I remember she used to look so good in that dress. Now she just screams, how I promised her more than this. Take it easy, baby, it ain't over yet. So take what you need now, honey, and do what you like Don't worry about me, mama, I'm all right And if there's something you need And if there's something you find Whatever gets you through the night, whatever gets you through the night, I never will forget you, my American love. So I, I know you've got a lot going on, but remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening,
2: because I will bother me when it feels like it won't get better because it can bother me because you're never a bother whether it's a low point or a crisis get help for yourself or a friend learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988 available 24 7